Aliens abduct, Chris Rock raps, and Steve Carell and Jim Carrey make magic this week on 2010. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 3020 the latest network's weekly pop culture time machine. Come with us on a journey across three decades, 30, 20, and 10 years ago, counting down all the dope milestones and anniversary of pop culture history. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I'm also ashamed the president of the United States is from Texas. <laughs> Any of them, Johnson included. <laughs> And I'm J.R. Rawls, and one trick to podcasting is to tell stories that don't go anywhere. <laughs> like the time I caught the ferry to Shelbyville. <laughs> I needed a new heel for my shoe, so oh, I decided to oh go God. to Morganville, which is what they call uh, Shelbyville no, in those days. No. Stop. Stop. Uh, and what but I had an onion on my belt, which was the style of the, the time. time. <laughs> uh, uh, fucking, I just wanted to say, like, right off the bat, we have a really cool Chris Rock milestone the week of the Oscars in a new we have a laser time Oscar time for you as well so check that out thanks again to all our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time should have another bonus show up for you right there Um, thank you guys so much for joining us this is going to be a fun week I found some I I feel like if I were to bring any of this up in any other conversation by the way if you've never listened before we talk about one week in history pop culture history 30 20 and 10 years ago uh, this week being March 10th to the 16th you brought any of this up in a conversation organically, that conversation you're having is insane. There's there's definitely, like, this this week is all over the map with, like, weird, weird shit. And, uh, yes, and I'm about to get into it because I'm so excited for something I managed to find at the last minute. Let's get some news out of the way. Woo! It's all kind of bummers, but, uh, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it leads into a better news story. Uh, physician, 30 years ago, 1993, March 10th to the 16th, 30 years ago, physician David Gunn, that name, uh, shot and killed an abortionist, uh, Michael Frederick Griffin in Pensacola, Florida, the first anti-abortion murder of a doctor in the U.S. Uh, you, you got them a little bit backwards there, and that Gunn is the guy who got shot. He was the doctor, not the shooter. Oh, David Gunn is <laughs> shot. He was shot by an anti-abortion activist who worked with a bunch of other anti-abortion activists. I think two or three of them also ended up committing murders. To, well, because there, murder is wrong, so we should murder murderers. Yeah, I, I looked it up. There's been a total of 11 anti-abortion murders in the United States, wow. which is far too many, but a lot lower than I would have guessed. Yeah. If you would have asked me the actual number, I would have guessed a lot higher than that. Yep. And this is the first documented one where mm-hmm. I, I, I have decided God wants me to go kill a doctor, and I'm going to go do it. I have. Two anecdotes here. One, I think they were exploding abortion clinics, but kind of making sure no one was there. And they were setting there was them on a fire. bunch of that. There were some stink bombs. There were bombings. Some of the bombings did kill people. And uh, I was just bringing that up because uh, when I was seven, I thought it'd be funny to slam the door in my sister's face, uh, sitcom style. Door ran across my foot. I needed seven stitches. And I had to go visit my grandparents without my parents uh, in Washington, D.C. And I had to get the stitches taken out. And my grandma found a coupon and took me to that place. And we found out, like a month later, it had been exploderized because it was an abortion clinic that was branching out and doing other things. And second, I just want to compliment, I put it on my Instagram, George Carlin has 
the best bit ever about pro-life people and every single piece of it holds up 100%, except Mm -hmm. I almost wanted to edit out, they're killing doctors. I'm like, George, they're not doing that anymore. And that's, it's the one part of the bit that dates it. Everything else, like, yeah, they don't give a shit about your kid after you're bored. No lunch care, no free health care, (laughs) no, no education. Well, I mean, and the one, another good thing that led, that this did lead to though, is the, um, the Clinic Protection Act, the FACES Act, which mm. means you can't physically or intimidate or threaten violence to someone as they're going into a clinic. And I think part of how they got that passed is they added or a church on it. Like, oh, okay, we're what? even now, right? You can't just shove some guy and say, fuck off, you can't go to St. Mary's. How about- like, yeah, that's obviously wrong. So you shouldn't do that to clinics either. People still do it to clinics because cops don't like arresting those guys because they're annoying. <laughs> Here's my polite suggestion to pro-life uh, protesters. And this is as nice as I can make it. If you really care about children, don't bring your children to pro-life rallies. Because I <laughs> fucking, mm-hmm. I, not only do I hate that, it's like, I just imagine if I were a kid and drugged to that fucking shit show, I'd be miserable, fucking miserable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and not know what was going on. Anyway, kids shouldn't have to take a stand on abortion anyway moving on politics yeah yeah moving moving on to oh bright more bright news mohammed tabat tabet uh police commissioner of casablanca the movie the place is convicted (laughs) of sexually abusing over 1500 people women and we usually don't bring up news this depressing but this did lead to something uh so this is the last person to be executed in morocco so yeah uh but I really can't help wondering, you know, you go back to like ancient Rome. How often was like the police equivalent of ancient Rome getting away with stuff like this? Or, you know, <laughs> medieval uh, mm-hmm. Paris or I mean, wherever? Because this only came to light because of uh, an article in the press and it spiraled from there. And, and the that's press a, is a lot. very recent invention. That's like yeah. dozens yeah. of Cosby's. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. A, uh, that, that's like every woman that comes through. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like. Uh, which I am against the death penalty. Except for rapists. What? <laughs> if you I'm abuse so your much. power that much, yeah, I won't. Uh, yeah. We won't. We won't march for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, his defense stated that he was a very religious man who uh, interrupted his rapes after hearing the call to prayer and then oh. continued raping after. So you know, religious Does that man. Not make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like uh, it makes it worse. That's someone who knows what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. Needs to stop. Yeah. yeah. His uh, his defense also claimed that he was possessed by a genie. Not making that um, up. I hate when that happens. Yeah. All of this is uh, why goddamn gins and them making me do things I wanted to do in the first place. Uh, yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck the death penalty, but mostly fuck that guy. All this is why Morocco is proud to represent uh, the entire continent of africa at epcot um <laughs> and, and uh i want to say in less depressing news but uh we got kind of a segue here right before the show i found a unbelievable contest that uh mtv held 30 years ago and if you could think of contests from 30 years ago you would most want to win then and least want to win now i think I've, i might have won the award for whatever that subcategory is Oh, no. Talent, stardom, and an enormous album called Dangerous. This guy's got it all, except a video director for his new song. That's where you come in. It's MTV's My Weekend at Michael's Neverland Valley contest. Three finalists will spend the weekend bumping at Michael's Neverland Valley Ranch. They can check out the whole spread, even the stuff Oprah didn't see. <laughs> 
I, I honestly could not tell you if I would even accept that prize knowing that he's dead. To be fair to that contest, it was pretty explicit. Michael Jackson was not going to be there and will not meet you. And this was a video submission contest. So you would get a contract with Epic Records to make music videos. You were sending a music video submission. I see Test your talent as a director. But yeah, when a weekend at Michael Jackson's house, I'm thinking of uh, how would 12-year-old me have responded to that? Oh, oh yeah. boy. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I would have jumped at the ta- chance to spend the night with Michael Jackson. Yeah. If there was a spend the night with Michael Jackson contest, I would have been all over that, 100%. Yeah. You can look inside my butt all he wants. Like, <laughs> here, that was his thing. Sorry, I had to watch that documentary, and I'm sharing oh, the pain with you. that's horrible, the documentary. Mm. If you want to lose what little faith in humanity you have left, uh, watch that documentary. And please don't send me any more messages about how it's staged and faked. I don't care, and I'm not going to read them. Fuck. Let's get into the movies of 30 years ago, finally, March 10th to the 16th. First Boy, up... These are weird. Yes. But it's a, it's a I bunch... think all of March is just fucking weird. It's a lot of movies I don't think studios had a ton of faith in. And uh, I think we'll see that in a second, but they're all notable for, especially for little me, for really weird reasons. Frederick Forrest, Piper Laurie, Asia Argento, Christopher Rydell, and Trauma. Jesus. Yeah. This is a Dario Argento joint, only one of two he made in the U.S. outside of uh, Italy and stars his daughter, Asia, who is all of 17. Wow. Are you going to feel uncomfortable about it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Oh, of course you are. What's the movie called again? um, yeah, it's trauma. Oh, okay. you, that's how you're going to feel. Yeah. And it's uh, about a serial killer who's got this cool, like, lariat thing that chops people's heads off. And he's hey. running around yeah. chopping everybody's heads off. And Tom Savini did the effects on it. And he wanted fuck. to make it gory as fuck. And for once, Dario Argento. Dario Argento said, no, no, no. This isn't going to be a gory picture. This is going to be a thriller. And what happens? It comes out and people are like, that was gory as fuck. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, Dario, his his scale of gory to not gory is, is pretty fucked up. Yeah, it's like well, you, in the 2000s, you never sat down at your friend's computer who could sit through beheading videos. Like, uh, No, dude, your, your barometer is way off for what's tasteful and distasteful. No. I won't be doing that. Uh, I'm going to no, watch Invader Zim. Yeah. So, yeah, trauma. I mean, trauma. It's, yeah, it's, it's not one of his better known works, but uh, that was interesting. That seems to be I'm going to watch it. I'm a big sissy. Running theme in this episode. <laughs> we also have this week, Joan Allen. Yeah, there is a lot of murder this week, everyone. Yeah. Let me just yeah. put it right there. There is a ton of murder. Joan <laughs> Allen, Patricia Arquette, uh, Liam Neeson, and Ethan Frome in the movie. This doesn't Ethan have Frome. murder, but it does have a sled accident. Oh, no. Like a sleigh bell yes. one? Oh, it's a horrible Wait, what? sled accident. No, this is an adaptation of an Edith Wharton novel, and it's about oh. a super repressed guy and his sickly wife joan allen and like her cousin that lives with them and how and then they like fall in love but sickly wife is still there and they're trying to decide if they want to run off together and i mean because it's edith wharton it means like the tiniest little things mean the most to people and this one hinges on i hope she doesn't see we broke her pickle dish (laughs) (laughs) i didn't think i would want to see this and now i still don't but (laughs) yeah no but very terrible sled accident Sled accident, like a sled accident. No, like more like a, a sled that you had like, like as a kid, like Rosebud. I grew up in Florida. I didn't have a fucking sled. Oh, dear, what am I? Saying? Sled down the like grass on cardboard. <laughs> after yeah, it rained. no, it is. It's fine. I mean, if if you're into like if you're into like Age of Innocence, where like nope. it's all constant longing but not actually paying off the longing. Boom! Here you go. This this. Is I think we could reframe all nostalgia as trauma if we wanted to, but 
this next movie, the movie itself to me is meaningless, but it breaks my heart. And I'll just let you hear the trailer for this Reese Witherspoon, Ethan Embry, Disney starring movie. Check out this TV spot and what's given half the time. From Walt Disney Pictures and Amblin Entertainment, they were thrown together on an impossible journey. There's towns across that. Yeah. With only one hope for survival. We can do it. Each other. Hold on! Don't miss the year's most exciting adventure, A Far Off Place, rated PG. And playing exclusively with A Far Off Place, an all-new maroon cartoon. Roger Rabbit and Baby <laughs> Herman are back. I can baby hunting. It would be dangerous. But leaving it with me is no picnic. Trail mix-up, rated G. Now playing at theaters. I don't. <laughs> Wait, so, no, can I tell you about this movie though? Yeah, this is a movie where tiny baby Reese Witherspoon yeah. uses dynamite to blow up a truck full of elephant poachers. Also with Roger Rabbit. Yeah, the thing is, people. That's an excellent Roger Rabbit short, though. I mean, it's... they all are. But Trail Mix-up has had immortality because if Jessica Rabbit is being cosplayed. She's either in the sexy outfit from the movie Nurse or outfit. the sexy yeah. ranger outfit in this one. Uh, I, in in reading about it and talking with creator Gary Wolf, like this was a, clearly a massive point of contention. Roger Rabbit was so big in 1988, they literally got in a fight over wanting to put it on before arachnophobia because they thought Roger Rabbit could give you a bump. This Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie that had the first Roger Rabbit short did so well at the box office and it had Roger Rabbit on the poster for this unknown property and got in a fight with Spielberg. This is clearly an Amblin joint, but Dick Tracy and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, this is not. And I have to imagine there were fights. I know Disney was not happy. They made Jessica Rabbit constantly be redrawn. I did a whole article about hidden stuff, and there's a ton of dirty stuff in this cartoon. It's also like the, it's like the, this is Jurassic Park will be out in a few months. There is some computer animation in this, but this is like, the height of like hand-drawn animation. This is about as good as you'll ever see. And I did up-res it into 4K and upload it to the Laser Time YouTube channel. It's probably the reason why uh, I got that strike and I don't upload much <laughs> to it anymore. But uh, this is the last Roger Rabbit short. Basically, the last his last animated appearance until like the Rescue Rangers movie. And oh wow! And and uh, maybe no, yeah, I think it was. He was in. Mickey's 50th anniversary TV special. They made some shitty animation, but yeah, this is the end of Roger Rabbit. This is the end of the line for uh, the success of one of my, uh, what might be my favorite movie of all time. So that's why I went far off place. I could not give less of a shit about it, but it, it did make me go see the movie. It's so inappropriate to put this wacky animal cartoon in front of this movie, which is basically like a more PG rated version of walkabout. It's about these two kids who are like their parents are trying to stop elephant poachers. Their families get annihilated while they're out in the Kalahari. And then them and uh, a Bushman, like he helps them try to get to safety and they figure out about the poachers that were coming to kill them. And like I said, tiny baby Reese Witherspoon fucking mercs a bunch of dudes. And wow. uh, there's a lot of death and scariness. And, you know, they're stealing ivory and stuff. This is not like... Um, yeah, and I, I did write a huge article about the Easter eggs in this with animated gifts, and this cartoon has been re-released with several slight cuts because of how much dirty stuff and weird stuff they snuck into the cartoon. Don't I don't get it. It's 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 kind of it's not quite like having a, a cartoon in front of Free Willy, but like it's it's less, even less appropriate than that would be. Yeah, money, I don't get it. 
they wanted people to see this. Yeah. Roger Rabbit was a draw. <sighs> That's the end of Far the discussion. Far Off Place and Reese Witherspoon were not. Yeah. yeah. And it, no. yeah, it's, it's Disney got the last one. Spielberg's movie got this Roger Rabbit short. And the fourth Roger Rabbit animated short was only partially completed. You can Google it. Hair in my soup. I'll let you figure out how to spell it. It's a <laughs> rabbit cartoon. Remember that? Tragic, I think, kind of end of Disney caring about Roger Rabbit. They just released Bonkers who is basically Roger, to make their own Roger Rabbit. Anyway, moving on to a movie I never get tired of talking about. Um, I thought this movie was a failure. Or I thought, actually, I didn't realize it was a failure. I thought it was a big success because... Kids loved every it. Kid, every kid younger than me was traumatized. I had the poster in my room. I love this movie. And uh, hold on. James Garner, Henry Thomas, Peter Berg, uh, Craig Sheffer, Robert Patrick, and D.B. Sweeney in Fire in the Sky. How does it think? What makes it move? Why does it breathe? Questions anyone would ask about a man if they'd never seen one before. So for five days, a man was borrowed. It has become the most famous case of UFO abduction ever reported. Fire in the Sky. Baby PG-13 starts Friday, March 12th at theaters everywhere. Fire in the Sky. I do have a quick question, though. Hmm. Am I going to understand this movie if I haven't watched Smoke on the Water first? I don't know what that movie is, Diana. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Sorry. I got, I, I was, so, I hate not getting it. Oh, dork. Yay. Fire's uh, it's a great title. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's a great title, allegedly based upon a true story. Mm-hmm. And the filmmakers did not believe that true story. No. They were absolutely <laughs> on record as thinking this is a hoax, this is not real. This is a bunch of lumberjacks. The most common theory is that these guys probably tripped acid. Oh. In 1975, I wonder. But two weeks before their claimed yes. alien abduction, there was a ABC TV movie about alien abductions. I uh-huh. would love to go. Because what I love about this TV spot, which you couldn't see, is that it looks like all these like cut-rate UFO sightings books I was reading around this age. Just has like a hollowed-out picture. It looks like a fucking Pepto-Bismol commercial. Just a hollowed-out <laughs> image of a man with lights flying. And uh, the movie is really kind of fun because it does take the subject matter seriously. And I think the only reason it's been diminished now, because like it does have, I think it's the best abduction sequence for how we used to view aliens. It's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've heard from people is that like, yeah, you don't need to believe this guy's story because it's pretty simple that, you know, he a bright light and then he's on the ship and these guys are poking and prodding him. And then then he can't remember what happens and there's more poking and prodding. And like that he- part. Sounds like it traumatized a lot of children. Yes. That just felt very realistic. Like, oh, yeah, that's what it feels like when I go to the dentist's office, only scary. Because the alien ship kind of has, it's got beings in it, but it also has, like, living flesh, life force, Abadox, like, uh, organic pieces he gets caught up in. It's, like, fucking P- real good PG gross, which is how I was oh, allowed to see it. It is super, super gross. There mm-hmm. is some <laughs> eye horror here where they put this thing over yeah. this guy's eye, yeah. and then they fill it up with goo. Yeah. It's amazing. Ooh, that's that's when my wife noped out of watching. That. But it's all it's all <laughs> safe for Nickelodeon, very technically, but like also not. It, it is also totally not. Yeah, if, it, if if a uh, 
eight-year-old watched this, yeah, they'd be far more traumatized. I was, than, say, I was twelve, and it left a trauma scar on my brain to where I put the po- I got the poster when they took it down from the video store. I'm like, free poster for a movie. I know, I'll take it. It hung on my wall for years. Now, 1993 is, I think, just about when I went from being a believer in the Loch Ness monster and the Bermuda Triangle, which I absorbed the heck out of yeah. because my school's library system, yes, Dewey Decimal System, 001.9 is all the wacko, cuckoo, controversial stuff, uh, cryptozoology, UFOs, all that stuff. And I just like breezed through that entire section. And I, I was mean- like... Oh man, they really are keeping stuff from me. That's that's then... that's sort of what I want to I want to talk about because like and you, there was plenty of ways to make work give yourself work as a living writer and this is public domain information. This is the kind of shit maniacs post online for free all day, but you could put in a book fair for children and you pay no rights to. And uh and if you knew of certain incidents, you could just read a new book with we got new perspectives and testimonies on this abduction, blah blah blah, and this disappearance. And it seems sounds like JR's interest is trailing off like right around the time Leonard Nimoy's in search of is getting canceled. I, I said on the do you know hmm. do you know what is coming almost six months to yep. the yeah. day? I do. Yeah. yeah. This came out March twelfth, nineteen ninety-three. What comes September tenth, JR? Do 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 I don't I can't I can't do the theme song. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Yeah. X-Files six months almost exactly. Yep. It was in the air. There was the early 90s. The truth is out there. I'd say, okay, this is literally the high point of UFO conspiracies because the internet is in its infancy. So they, they the geekiest geeks are on it and talking to each other. Yeah. Okay. But we don't have widespread cameras in our pockets there at you go. all times. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was like all these crazy theories are at maximum ability to spread with the most limited ability to go, well, why didn't you take a picture of it with the phone that every human being has at all times? (laughs) But I mean, even as a kid, and I just bought a bunch of uh, from the mid to late 70s. I was a couple of years ago, I was trapped in uh, Palm Springs in the desert and I found some store that like specialized in holding all these magazines like monthly periodicals and it was enough as a kid to like just draw the ufo that's enough like uh, mm-hmm. so i don't have to conjure my that's amazing and uh yeah. it all looks so silly seems so stupid now and if you read those articles like these people are insane and yeah. uh, but uh, it- no i i'm sorry I love something well-produced and those ads for time life books, mysteries of the unexplained. Yeah. (laughs) I love them. Yeah. I was, I brought it up on VGA. Like how can one twin sister die across the country and the other sister feels it aliens and more. (laughs) And like uh, those, because again, public domain information, they can market to children uh, that doesn't have the babysitters club in it. And and I think I said it on VGA, like my early experience with the internet was like, Ooh, UFO stuff, grainy photos, and that all fucking died right around the time we all got like HD cameras in our pocket. Nobody has <laughs> shit to say now. <laughs> what I was reading today about Travis Walton, the person in this, and, and the movie, it's just think of it like Blair Witch Project. It's just like, it's a compelling yeah. version of a thing that never happened, but tells you it's based on something oh, real. I was going to say, as a movie, I think this sucks. Really? What is the plot of this movie? Oh, it is. 
a long road to get to the, the scene. I remember that. Yeah. Was, yeah, you... The scene is the climax, yeah. but it doesn't it's... really resolve anything. No, it's all, it's in the middle of the movie, too. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it is not a well-designed movie. We do not have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I don't think we have characters who go through any growth. You know, the whole movie is just a cock tease until they show you the gruesome gruesome abduction that's it yep yeah it's it's pretty fucking boring up until you get to that point but like i watched it so much on uh, a, a tape of a tape back when i did all that shit and i did i did want to say looking into travis walton's case the one you can believe him you can choose not to believe him here's Don't the believe him here's the thing nah. here's the thing like when he was interviewed about this, the most a lot of the details he gave were very similar to the movie JR brought up that had aired on television two weeks ago. That movie was called The UFO Incident, based on a uh, Betty and Barney um alas, Betty and Barney Rubble. No. <laughs> uh, Betty and Barney Hill, which I read a book about them like a couple of years ago, because they were like in the 60s, an interracial couple didn't want any trouble, not into UFOs, didn't want to talk publicly about it, but like would, you know, you had someone over for tea, they'd talk about it, didn't want to capitalize on it. That's what the movie's about. Travis Walton and his family <laughs> were UFO fucking enthusiasts. And A, we're definitely watching that movie that night. And B, we're dying to have a story like this. And he banked on it, he banked the rest of his life on this story and it's yeah. it's there's nothing you can really do about it like we all pass lie detectors and like in the 70s yeah. okay by lie detectors are not magic this is something this movie does that a lot of movies make the mistake of lie detectors are not admissible in a court of law you cannot do a lie detector test in a court of law because it is not reliable enough at all and why would the cops li oh, do a lie detector? Completely average people can break can can beat them. Why yeah. would the c uh, cops do a lie detector on the victim? Because they thought they killed their friend. Mm. Oh yeah, I do like that 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 idea that oh uh, yeah, me and my buddies is out in the woods and then one of them disappears and <laughs> like y'all y'all killed your friend, didn't you? No yeah. man, it was aliens. But see, no, 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 no. You killed your friend. I can tell you're the T one thousand. Yeah, even <laughs> even okay. Don't take your friend out to the woods and kill them. Okay, listeners, don't do that. <laughs> but unless, oh. but if you do, don't say aliens killed them. That's just going to raise more <laughs> questions. Okay, don't say aliens abducted your friend. Just say we went out to the woods with my friend. He disappeared. Help us find him. There. That's a much better alibi than aliens took my friend. It's it, it's such it's kind of widely debunked and it's, i think it's why the movie doesn't get brought up a lot outside of people who were our age and saw it then. okay what i love about this account mm -hmm. from 1975 is that the aliens all have technology that would be understandable to a 1975 person okay <laughs> because it, it they wasn't had like cb radios aliens... and, and pet rocks <laughs> it wasn't like the aliens took me up to the ship and then they showed me a vast inter stellar web of touch information screens. that's all connected to each other and they use touch screens and then they took a dna sample and they sequenced my dna which told them <laughs> everything about me because they're they have that advanced technology so they didn't have to probe me or anything they just got a drop of my blood said thank you for your blood this tells us everything we know need to know about human biology because we sequenced your dna 
It, it probably looked just like the fucking Death Star, a bunch of square blue and white buttons. <laughs> mm. Well, no, uh, it's, it's pre-Star Wars. So I know, but that's like what I still kind of love I about Every- Star Wars. Star Wars is not Star Wars unless all of the technology looks like what technology looked like in the 1970s. It yep. roots it. it. I love that about it. Yeah, that's that's a big problem I have with the prequels is mm-hmm. because they seem to have skipped ahead in technology somehow earlier in time. But... All I can think of with any story about alien abduction where they can't, you know, they, they take me up to the ship for a couple of days and they poke and they prod me and then they let me go. The kids in the hall sketch about anal probing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We've already probed the depths of the human anus. It's we, like, oh, we've learned this one out of 10 don't seem to mind. <laughs> it's such a good okay. I can't stop thinking about it. Here, if you do get abducted by aliens, here's what you do. What's the best method for cheap fission? and fusion. How can I do that? Oh, how can I solve global warming? Okay. Hey, here's a mathematical problem that our human computers say is unsolvable. Can you solve it for me? Mm. You know, come back with that. Or come back. uh, Here's, if you want to have a good UFO story, are you a repressed gay man in the deep South? Don't bother. (laughs) Don't bother. That's where, Uh, that's where a lot of these stories stem from. Mm -hmm. Don't bother. All right. Let me ask you, if you were out in the woods with a friend, and you legit saw him abducted by aliens, would you run away? Hell no. I'd rather go with the aliens than be on Neverland Ranch. No. 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 I'll just wait, I suppose. I'll give him a couple days. I mean, what's what's my option? I go back to town and say, yeah, I got abducted by aliens. Yeah, now I'm in jail. So looks like I live in the woods now. No, you lie in that case. If your friend gets abducted by aliens, you don't mention that. Yeah, at least not for a while. Then people might believe you if you mentioned a couple of years later. Uh, that's what that's what I was doing. Don't tell anybody. Keep it between it us. It was rednecks in, in a flying pickup truck. Oh, fire in the sky. It is it is hard to recommend the movie, but it left like an I in, cannot recommend it. This is a lifetime mark. movie of the week with five minutes of gore. Yeah, the, the, the guy who directed the movie is like, he didn't go on. He, he like he went on to direct D three, the Mighty Ducks third Mighty Ducks oh. movie. Okay. Didn't really work in this genre or on this theatrical level that much more often. Um, it just it is bizarre. Like he's kind of a TV guy, but it's it's like you know like shocker. I'll compare it to because I've talked about it on the show. Like I don't know if this is good, but it like. It's important to me, and if it's important to you, I recommend rewatching it again. But otherwise, it's a footnote in uh, in both history and pop culture because it kind of represents something I want to believe. That's all I could think of while researching this today. I want to believe. I I give me a reason, not enough reasons. <laughs> I want to believe. Anyway, well, we should probably move on to the movie that was. I didn't. I've seen this. I love this movie, and I thought I was championing underdog, but it's number one at the box office 30 it's years a ago. Weird week, man. It's not, not a lot of a, de- a young man's debut uh, screenplay, I believe. Uh, we got Candy Alexander, Chris Elliott, Phil Hartman, Deezer D, Alan Payne, and the one and only Chris Rock, and Charlie Murphy, and CB4. Oh, introducing Charlie Intr- Murphy. Charlie Murphy. I love that. CB4. They were a band on the road to nowhere. So they changed their clothes. Let's turn ourselves into gangster rappers. Their act. Just because the blood was in my hand doesn't mean I stabbed the man. And their attitude. So nasty. This spring, get ready. Baby, I'm ready. For CB4. Starring Chris Rock, Phil Hartman, Alan Payne, and Chris Elliott. CB4 rated R starts Friday March 12th at the Oh I, I like just watching this movie now I don't know how he, Chris Rock got this made 
Just, just because, like, because they thought Chris Rock was going to be the new Eddie Murphy. Keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. You know, Eddie Murphy was such a breakout star of early '80s SNL that I guarantee you, Hollywood executives were looking at Chris Rock, who was rising like a rocket in SNL at this time. No, went, well, he had a rough time not? in SNL. It, I, he had a rough time behind the scenes, but mm. he was popular. Yeah, I loved him was, at the time. So, yeah. but you know, he quit. And, and, and it, but just, I'm, I'm more fascinated by the idea of like a NWA was not something that penetrated my avenue of pop culture. I mm. found out about NWA from getting into Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and like that whole era of of hip-hop music that's that's when i learned about what nwa was i never heard of them before that like just mm. dre and easy e trading trading barbs like that that's how i ended up learning about it but chris rock you know managed to make this movie about like multiple subgenres of 90s rap that i just i find it amazing that a probably white Hollywood executive greenlit the thing, but just like what a great fucking time capsule and view of someone who was paying very close attention to all of that mm -hmm. at the time. Oh, it, it is, is. It is very, very specific. Besides uh, white executives, I have to point out white woman directed this movie. Wow. Huh. Which, yeah. Tamara Davis, who, who also, she came up as a, music video director did stuff for like black flag and nwa and who's crew <laughs> and uh directed billy madison and half bake after this wow all right i, I loved what this movie was trying to do i would have loved to have seen a true this is spinal tap for mm. early 90s rap i don't think that's this film okay this film i think most of the jokes fall flat this film doesn't really know what story it's wanting to tell take take for example phil hartman what happens with that plot? Yeah. It, yeah, it happens, and then what? And then it just doesn't matter anymore. It's it's dropped, and it's never mentioned again for the rest of the yeah, film. I mean, and that happens a lot with these types of SNL comedies, though. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, though. and they had the documentary shtick, which great. I'd love mockumentaries, but then they dropped that, yeah. and yeah. they don't really do enough with it either. No. Nope. Yeah. I yeah. I I'm really looking forward to about a year from now we get to talk about. Uh, the true rap spinal oh, tap the fear of a black hat fear of black which hat. is superior to this i'm sorry but i did get some de definitely good, good laughs out of this uh as a rap named stab master arson no <laughs> I, but it's just like that that <laughs> this is written by mostly black guys and when you see like rappers depicted anywhere but in living color it's through a very white lens and mm -hmm. and that this isn't somehow and got a mainstream release and made it to no more at the box. I, I thought I remember this be, being an underdog and it was one of those movies I watched a bunch as a little kid and then never was able to find again. And so I, I do have that going for my love for this movie. I watched this a lot when I was young. Yeah, and, but it's, it is interesting because, I mean, the central conceit is that they're fakes, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. They, yeah. These they're, are they're a not bunch of gangsters. middle class African Americans pretending to be gangsters. Which I could see a white writer thinking that that was brilliant. Mm -hmm. It's like, it, it mm. isn't, though. It's just what sells. But they do actually get into a little bit of, like, aren't you selling out, like, all of Black people? And they're like, well, are white artists selling out all of white artists? Usually. No. Uh, but I, I still think there's something magic about this because there wasn't anything like it for a really long time. And uh, Chris Rock there's is a one unique. Other thing. You, you, <laughs> I know, but Chris Rock is, like, just such a unique voice. And he's only written, like, four movies or something like that. 
What's really well, weird though is like he's totally doing an Easy E thing, and then Easy E is in the movie. Yeah. And oh, like again, uh, that's that's what I, I find weird watching it. How like I, you know, I guess I'm a little kid, and the only rappers they're showing me are the Fat Boys, who are parodied in this, as well as MC Hammer, who is parodied in this, and like these are all different stages of where hip hop was. That I'm glad someone there's a time capsule for that. That's not just an MTV retrospective because uh, I, I just don't consider. Look up a Fat Boys video on YouTube. It's very the resolution is terrible. No one's preserving Fat Boys stuff. You can't even buy Disorderlies on DVD. Uh, but no fair. CB4. Yeah. I loved it. I still love it. Um, not Chris enough. Rock is talking about a sequel. Yeah, I couldn't help wow. thinking about it because I just I just saw him his stand up special and he was addressing the will smith situation and he's like that dude's way bigger than me like i don't you ever seen me in a movie with my shirt off i'm like yeah he's like i would never appear in a movie with my shirt off like yeah what (laughs) (laughs) yeah you did uh anyway sorry cb4 i don't see the reason to go along with the sequel but if he wants to do that go for it but i I mean mean, there there are so many cameos in this film uh you got ice t you got halle berry You've got Ice Cube. What about Gusto? Flava Flav. Yeah. Shaquille. Oh, yeah. Shaq. I think that's like his first season Mm -hmm. in NBA. Easy. Yeah. And the butthole surfers. Hey, back again. Back again with the butthole surfers. Yeah. Like overall, like it was okay. As as a capturing a very, very specific moment, that was great. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm recommending it or not. Like, it was pretty good. I had fun. I dig it. I dig it. Well, let's get into TV then, show. A lot of the jokes didn't land as well as they wanted. I mean, they're just like, you know, it's a corny studio movie at at certain points. Mm -hmm. And you either grew up with it or you didn't. I, I, it's still kind of in the classic realm for me, but whatever. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of Chris Rock stuff to love for a while until he like super broke out with Bring the Pain. And, Yeah. Oh, but he he does reenact a scene from New Jack City where he yeah. tries to resist smoking crack while wearing an American flag shirt. Yeah. For like no reason, <laughs> just because he can. I mean, again, if you see that stand-up special, he mentions he played Muhammad Ali and I played Pookie in New Jack City, and the audience goes <laughs> ape shit. Um, <laughs> ape shit. I'm ruining Chris Rock's special. Whatever. I just watched it. Uh, we'll move on to television. 1993, March 10th to the 16th. How'd they do that? The debuts on CBS. It, Really sounds more like a Nickelodeon show, but how there do should that? always be shows like this. There yeah. should always be shows where it's like, you know, that thing you always wanted to learn about. Here you go. Wait Drink this information from a fire hose. Wait a minute. I think you just found a clip. That's something that seared itself into my brain very early on. If oh, I chose I that random. Is. So, oh, wow. No. Okay. When Allison Lawrence's heart stopped beating, doctors tried to save her life. Routine CPR was not helping her. Something additional had to be done or we would have lost her. For 41 minutes, she was clinically dead. Yet today, she's alive. How'd they do that? Bats. Tens of thousands of bats. For years, they swarmed into Austin, Texas. Townspeople were scared. Austin, in the early 1980s, was literally the center of bad bat publicity for America. I, I do love these style of shows, but Reader's mm-hmm. Digest version of the news. Did you know that this, this is where they cover the, the mystery spot or something like that? <laughs> How they do that? So you're right, though. It's really cool. And I, I thought it, just the logo, I just remember when I was a little kid. I mean, I'm, this is for JR because we did so many podcasts about fucking Christopher Reeve Superman. Mm-hmm. I And there's... JR brought that up in the podcast. Christopher Reeve looks so good doing that because he was a fucking hang glider. 
<laughs> and, and like knew how to like land on his feet from the air and and had the core strength to hold himself up. Yeah, and that's and and so like I remember the super cheesy guy on like a purple set. How did they do that? And he like lies on his stomach on a little ta- blue table you can't see in front of the blue background. And I just as a little kid, what? It's fake. <laughs> Sorry, it, it's fake. I I can't believe it. Anyways, uh, Sirens also debuts on ABC. Sirens. Uh, yeah, this is a show about female police officers. Uh, three Get rookie it. ones. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I get it. Lady cops. Lady cops. But speak, uh, what's the opposite of a lady cop? Indiana Jones. And, <laughs> and, uh, and that he's a male thief? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is probably super special for JR. So why don't you just take this, buddy? I don't, I, I still yeah, didn't get a chance so to watch this. Biggest indie fan in the world here. And when Harrison Ford reprised his role as Indiana Jones, for all of nine minutes on the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, I lost my shit. I was like, this is awesome. This means we're definitely going to have Indy 4, which is going to be a one-for-one adaptation wow. of Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, a PC game I have played eight times in the last eight months. <laughs> and it's it's such a small wow. role so for this, him. But this I is mean, like the only time he... Harrison Ford plays Indiana Jones between 89 and 07. Correct. Is, is right yep. here. Wow. He didn't voice any video games. He didn't do anything. It was it was this and nothing else for, for that long. So, it feels yeah. weird to think about. It. You know, we have like two more recent movies, one in the barrel. But yeah, yeah. Like if you're hanging for... I was shocked to find out this exists. Usually you find it in like some PC CD-ROM game. Oh, look, here's Jim Henson voicing Kermit in a Muppet CD-ROM game that no one remembers. But yeah, that there's a Harrison Ford appearance out there and Lucasfilm doesn't seem to promote it at, at all. No, no. I mean, they promoted it at the time as this commercial shows. Ooh. Look who's back. It's Harrison Ford in a world premiere Indiana Jones movie. Not my first time, you know. Maybe it was a mob hit. See, I didn't. I didn't even find out this yeah. happened until like early internet. Like Harrison Ford was on that Young Indiana Jones show. I never knew that. I was never. No. We talked about it before. Yeah. It always aired at different spots. I could never watch it when I wanted to. It felt like episodes came out months apart from one another. Because that's exactly what happened. But this was one of those rare times when I was scouring the newspapers for young Indiana Jones yeah. times. Like, I had to work to watch that show. But this one, they actually did do some promotion for it. So I was like, yes, this is it. And if you listen to that promotion, it's like, oh, well, this is going to be a two-hour TV movie with Harrison Ford. No. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a decent episode of the show. Uh, young Indy learns about jazz. And as someone who never really cared about jazz, the scene of him learning that if you want to learn jazz, just learn something really simple, like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, until you can do it in your sleep and then start improvising it. That was a nice little takeaway from that. And then it morphs into a Prohibition era crime drama after the jazz scene. And that was fun. So it's a fun little episode and it's a lovely little... this is the only time Indiana Jones has a beard. Okay. Mm-hmm. Harrison Ford has a beard because he's filming The Fugitive. Wow. And so yeah. Indiana Richard Jones has Kim. a beard in this. And I think Bearded Indy looks damn fine. I, I think they should have gone. With <laughs> I think they should have gone with it in the new movie. Like, yeah. It's, 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 his eyes still look young, but oh boy, them jowls and those, those yeah. long pierced ears. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but young, I just, I just really, really hope that Harrison Ford, who is almost the age of old Indy in these uh, young Indiana Jones episodes, loses his eye in the final Harrison Ford Indiana Jones movie because old <laughs> Indy be in the young Indiana Jones Chronicles missy, uh, is missing an eye, and it would be lovely if they like cared. A little bit, just a little bit about young Indy. Now I remember why I didn't bring get, it all back home. I didn't get to it. I asked JR, I was like, is this even streaming anywhere? He's like, yeah, Amazon. And like, for $40, like, I'm <laughs> 40 bucks so I can watch one indie episode. Because, uh-uh. uh, yeah, I think Disney's has ownership over indie as a character, but not. Mm-hmm. But they don't own the films. Yeah, you know? Paramount's. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. Uh, and lastly, in television this week, we have. The Simpsons' last exit to Springfield. Yes. Oh, this episode haunts me, and I'll tell you why. Because I worked as a temp for a while, where I had to edit and approve mailers promoting dental practices what? for different dentists, oh. and every single one of them had the words "dental plan" Lisa, and <laughs> in my head all day, eight hours a day. Dental plan. Lisa needs braces. Dental plan. Iron help us play. Uh, yeah. Uh, fuck, again, the four season of The Simpsons, I think, is my apex for the show. And, and not that the fifth and sixth seasons are bad. Just like, this is so good. It, confident and equally confident in batshit. It is, it is awesome. And, this, and yeah. did you know that the song, the protest song that Lisa sings in this episode was turned into a real protest song what? in Argentina? What? Uh, love it. Loved her in Life Aquatic. It's a good joke, people. That is so great. Yeah, it just all it comes down to a, uh, a labor dispute, right? Yes, but it, it's, get it's... rid of the dental plan, and then they have a strike, and of course, Lisa's into that. For the next ten years of my life, this is the only concept of unions, dental plans, and strikes that I knew about. <laughs> like uh, pretty much just. So, uh, Doctor Joyce Brothers uh, appears on this episode in a brief cameo to talk about the situation. Do you know the person who they tried to get but couldn't, Dr. so they Ruth? had to settle on O.J. Simpson? Whoa, what? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Has he done the thing? No, he hasn't done the thing yet. He hasn't no. done the thing yet. He hasn't done the thing yet. So right. that would have been awkward. But there are so many quotable lines in this. The Abe Simpson quote uh, I, I bring up all the time. Anytime someone's going on a boring story. Anytime my wife says something like, I promise I'll go to sleep on time tomorrow. Without missing a beat, I just say, why must you turn this bedroom into a house of lies? <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> love it was the style at the time has become my way to acknowledge I'm rambling. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, as was the style at the time. As That's was the style at the time. Yep, and the big book of British smiles. Yeah, <laughs> and, scary and times. Finally, I, I don't, you know, I, I just have to throw this in there. When Trump won in 2016, I read chess, all baby. these articles about chess. how... He was a brilliant tech- tactician. He was an expert politician. He's just an amazing person. And I usually sent this clip to those people. All right, Homer, you can have the dental plan on one condition. You must resign as head of the union. <laughs> Smithers, I'm beginning to think that Homer Simpson was not the brilliant tactician I thought he was. <laughs> 
just because someone it. defeats you doesn't mean they were smart. It's true. It means you're not that smart or that conservatives really only want somebody mean. And that's why. That's... Or that it was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. The blurst of times. Stupid monkey. Blurst of times. God, this episode is so packed. It's one of those like, oh yeah, I remember that one. And just like looking over the summary and be like, oh my God, every scene in this, there's so much going on. I love it. Yes. Fucking great. Uh, I also had braces. You couldn't get wet. It was awful. Ooh, really? <laughs> the fuck did you do for two years? Drink with a snorkel? <laughs> for like eight years, Ed. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. I wasn't fortunate enough yeah, to have we, braces. We, we could do a whole podcast on Diana's miserable teeth. <laughs> but I've never had a cavity in my whole fucking life because of it. Because I suffered. Mm, and... Almost lastly, we got some video games for 1993. Uh, the original Pentium is released into Intel uh, Pentium processor. For the rest of the decade, that was the top of the line. Yeah. It was like, if you have a Pentium computer, you are styling. Because I desperately wanted a Pentium for years. I didn't mm -hmm. understand any of the tech. I just knew Pentium well, best. It, it was... Need computer it was that marketing mm -hmm. though because you remember like at the time you're seeing a bunch of commercials for the def defunct stores like compact and gateway and they would have to end every commercial with the dum 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 if it had a penny in it so it was being marketed everywhere computers were it it, it should have been shittier than it was <laughs> usually that's the case with a part uh, that's ubiquitous but nah penny baby pc gaming's about to get weird meanwhile on the super nintendo in in Nindo? What the, how do you say that? Way of the Ninja? Another ninja game. I Nindo. I Nindo. I was trying to avoid Asian accents in this episode, GR. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's I, not an Asian accent if you're pronouncing the Japanese word. I know, I just the way Japanese people. This is a Koei game, which means it's a lot of strategy. So oh. even though you're a ninja, you have to still think. Uh it has a fascinating recruitment system. You fight people. And if you beat them the right amount, you can recruit them to your side. Hmm. But if you kill them, they're dead, dead, and you can't have them join your side. So it's a balancing act. It's kind of right. interesting. Super Strike Eagle, was that a plane game or a soccer game? It's a plane game. I uh, so. the Remember the F-15E Strike Eagle fighter jet. And then Tecmo Super NBA Basketball. Uh, Tecmo just never captured the magic that they did with one football game once. Yeah. You know? <laughs> with no team license, with no NFL license either. Yeah, but that game was magic and all the other ones are, it's fine. It, it's, man, I remember when they were re-releasing it in the 2000s. I got a, from Tecmo, they sent me a tech mobile foam finger and i kept it for years but then after like 800 shitty tecmo sports games i'm like i'm just throwing <laughs> this out this has no legacy anymore uh and then last but definitely not leastly star fox releases on the super nintendo and I, i'm overjoyed to be able to mansplain this to diana the super nintendo uh -huh. a cartridge based system that usually is about bits and squares somehow is miraculously pulling off 3d polymorphic triangles with a brand new chip I think it's called the Mario chip if you crack it open. Called the Super FX chip on the side. Only a, how many games would have the Super FX chip in it? Like two? Three? Two or three? Two? Two or three? Super Not Star, many. Star Fox 2 never came out. Uh, but yeah, Star Fox, the launch of a new, I'll call it a popular Nintendo franchise. Popular with everyone but Nintendo. But... Fair enough. I know exactly one thing about Star Fox. Please tell me. But it's how I taught my dog roll over. We don't tell him to roll over. We tell him to do a barrel do roll. A barrel do a barrel roll. roll. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, if you tell Google to do that, it will. Nice. Uh, I love Lilac's baby. I will 
always remember renting this game because holy crap was the hype insane. Okay. Yes. You cannot imagine what it was like to go from your 2D environment to a 3D environment for the first time. And this was really the very first time I had ever played like anything considering a 3D game. You yeah, know, with they, they were all polygons. illusions or approximations of 3D up until this point. And it runs mm-hmm. at like two frames a second. And I, I still oh, love it. It's horrible. I, I still love it. But it, it <sighs> it's it's so short, which I think something Star Fox games should learn. Yeah, man, make a short, short cool game. I replayed it for this uh, episode, and I don't think it holds up. I mean, <gasps> I cannot separate it from the nostalgia of experience 3D for the first time, but it's so janky to my modern eyes. It, like, makes them bleed. It's like, no, I could I could hire someone on deviant art to draw frames faster than you are doing, Super <laughs> Nintendo. And one of the, the few, like, Western-developed Nintendo games franchises or characters like not developed mm-hmm. by nintendo japan so it doesn't have that like miyamoto it, it does because they helped reshape the game but like it's wasn't made by them they didn't really they had no idea you could pull off this technology on the super nintendo it, it's pretty neat to think about it in that context but it made yeah. it it was expensive to produce but uh st- I, that opening still uh, kills me man i love it yeah anyway move, closing out 1993 long one again we got new music releases from march 10th to the 16th including So Tough by Sate Eddie Edine? Etienne. Etienne. Uh, Coverdale Page by David Coverdale and Jimmy Page. Color of Your Dreams by Carol King. I Hear Black by Overkill. Uh, the Polyfuzz Method by Kid, by Kid Rock. Kid Rock is doing stuff in 1993? It's not even his debut. He's he's had a couple out. I think this is fascinating that in the same week CB4 comes out and, and is celebrating but also mocking gangster rap. Two big white rap acts yeah just start kicking the crap out of everything polyfuse method by kid rock and the number one song is informer by snow inform when are you gonna learn when are you gonna learn my my black friends you gotta guard your music around white people we will take that shit and we will drive it straight to number one even if we're irish canadians who just happen to (laughs) grow up around a a lot of caribbean (laughs) folks um it's one of the great it's one of the highest selling reggae albums of all time it's technically reggae rap yeah and And informer i and usually people think of Snow, oh my God, it's like Vanilla Ice. He's like the also ran. He's such a one-hit wonder. He has continuously had hits every like couple of years. He's yeah. had a decent-sized hit as recently as 2019. I think his, his style... Had a song chart chart with uh, Daddy Yankee. His style of music is much bigger globally than in, there's... Uh, thinking about yeah. radio stations, there's like not a lot of places to play Snow. But also, yeah. I assure you, the record companies which I read this week had made a record $9 billion in record sales. $9 billion. That's how much records used to make. Uh, I'm sure all those executives were happy with the popularity of the music, but really love the skin color of someone like Snow. This, we can mm-hmm. mock it. We can- <laughs> yeah, although, I, I, like, I always thought, oh my God, it, it's like uh, Vanilla Ice, where it's like he's a middle-class white kid and he's putting on this act. But when his album actually came out, Snow was in jail at the time because wow. he, he I think, beat a guy with a crowbar hey. in a fight. Like, he, he did actually have a, a pretty rough upbringing in the projects of North York, Toronto. All right, now listen to this song with some newfound street cred. We will take you out with, with Informer by no Snow. No one is more shocked than me. <laughs> but we'll be right back <laughs> with more 30 2010. Don't go anywhere. Informer, you know, say that I'm a stormy, I go play. 
Coming in 2003, 10 years in the future with Girls Not Gray by AFI off of Sing the Sorrow. That is out this week, the week of March 10th to the 16th. Other mu new music releases include Hate Them by Dark Throne, Reason by Melanie C, uh, Diamonds on the Inside by Ben Harper, Dust by Muggs, Evolve by Ani DeFranco, Level 2 by Blackstreet, Monster the Debut of Killer Mike, Recreation Day by Evergrey, Slow Motion Daydream by Everclear, Volume 4 by Joe Jackson, Two Lefts Don't Make a Right But Three Deuce by Reliant K. In the Club by 50 Cent is number one this week. And I don't know why I pronounced that like Antonio Madera's and Assassins, but I missed that movie. Uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions are also happening this week. And they include ACDC, The Clash, Elvis Costello and the Attractions, The Police, and The Righteous Brothers. What no notes. Those all are people who needed to be in some of them earlier than they were. There was sort of a thing about is Elvis Costello going or is it going to be Elvis Costello and the attractions? Because he and his bandmates had a lot of tension over the years and, and they seemed to resolve some of it and they played together and it was nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Clash and Righteous Brothers should have been in earlier, though. They're in now. We're not dead yet. Uh, and then, ah, and I saw some other news just because I told you how much records were selling. This week, it is announced that TV shows on DVD are the fastest growing medium <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> and oh. we were talking about HBO shows off mic, and it, it was like a cheaper proposition to get Sopranos on DVD than it was to subscribe to HBO for a year. So <laughs> why not just do yeah. that? And, and other medium news, the final newspaper comic episode of Flash Gordon is published, uh, wow. marking the end of a series that had been in continuous production since 1934. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So 67 years, one storyline written over 67 years who knows how many authors oh yeah. my god we were... I, my my brain is broken i don't know did they reset every now and then i don't think they did i think they just kept going i bet they just kept going There's that's how no, those like, things used to work oh now this one's earth 622 now just not, keep on going not even there had to be some guy who was like a day one simpson viewer for that comic you know, wow. some like 14 year old in 1934. He started reading it then and he still was alive in 2003. And he was like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> the Cats and Jammer Kids is the longest running strip in all of comics, uh, which I've never heard of. It went for over 100 years. But as most of the rest of the world was, we were making fun of Warren Beatty for caring about Dick Tracy the other day. And I was talking to Diana's husband, Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Raparez, and like, holy shit, they still make Dick Tracy. And you can read it. And like, look at this storytelling format. And I love being able to describe this. Three panels. A woman walks down the stairs, gets into her car, whistle emoji, and speaks to a guard at a gate. Hi, Tom. That's it for a day. That's it for one whole day. One whole day. How, and I'm not, I'm not shitting on the medium. It's just like... You trust me to remember something like that from day to day? With usually you'd have you had no cell phones. You had I guess. no TV when this was coming out. Okay, oh. so that was it. You know that's your morning. Flash I mean board. that's why it was it, the format was the first comic reminds you of what happened yesterday. Yeah, sorry, the first panel reminds you of what yeah. happened yesterday. A lot of the times, middle... 
the last panel from yesterday. They only yeah. do two new panels a day. <laughs> like, how is this medium still alive? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, but it still is. Dick Tracy, happy report. And I read the one comic strip from a few Fridays ago where a woman drove somewhere. I don't know who she was. She wasn't Dick Tracy, unless she is. I, <laughs> it's a bad name for a lady. Uh, but <laughs> it also this week, twenty years ago in two thousand three, who Jintao becomes uh, president of the People's Republic of China. Yeah, you know, basically for almost a 30-year period, China was not really a dictatorship. It was more of an oligarchy uh, and more of a technocratic oligarchy. Mm-hmm. And that's going to fall apart in about 10 years. Yeah. To further prove the times they are changing 20 years ago this week, the Chicks, formerly the Dixie Chicks, uh, that their position as a controversial band begins because uh, yeah, they're playing overseas in, in London and make a comment about George. It's a simple comment. We're ashamed of him to be our president. And that's like mm-hmm. one of the silliest mass album burnings I remember seeing. But yeah, the- they precede it with we're against violence, we're against war, because mm-hmm. remember, we've been talking about the we're about to go to war with Iraq and we all know it's coming and it's coming incredibly shortly. And, and there's massive protests all over the world against it. And yeah, they just say we're, we're against war. We're against violence. And we're ashamed that George Bush is from Texas like us. Also, we totally support the troops. That last part gets left off a lot. Yeah. And they just decide we're in this period where it's like, if you don't support the president, you hate America for their audience. At, at this point, 70% 70% of Americans were supporting the Iraq war. Wow. That's a tough hill to climb over. I mean, if you're opposing something that 70% of people support and their audience was way more than 70%. Mm-hmm. I mean, the best way I, I like to think about it is, okay, according to statistics in the 2020 election, almost, not quite, but almost 20% <laughs> of black males voted for Donald Trump. How many rappers came out in favor of Donald Trump? You know, how many black television stars, black movie stars came out in favor? There's some and they got punished for it. You know, not to the degree the Dixie Chicks did, but people did not like that at all. I know. uh, Yeah. Someone in my life took down an NWA poster. Like, well, that's that's that. We don't have people who stump for Trump on our walls. Dear. uh, Yeah, man, this and then this goes on for so long. Yeah. Radio stations just ban them right away. They have the number 10 song on the uh, the charts, mainstream charts this week. In two weeks, it will be gone. Just completely disappeared. They, they're taken off the radio by so wow. many stations. Country music, they, they, they are nominated for Artist of the Year. Uh, before this, at the Country Music Awards, they lose to Toby Keith. Ah. And they are booed when they announce it. Like, all the, their audience fucking turns on them. And I appreciate the Dixie Chicks turn into the skit of like, all right, fine. We're the bad girls of country music. Fuck you. We're punk rock now, I guess, with fiddles and shit. This is still a moment I assume. I'm not a fan of them or anything, but I like the reason I don't hate them is because they successfully turned into the skit of this like really odd career move. And obviously something's going on because they're playing in London. What? Yeah, they're <laughs> I, on a big tour. They're they're a popular ass band. I guess. I like I I couldn't really hear them on the radio unless I tried. How are they getting no, airplay in London? They were huge. This they were is after cross- Goodbye Earl is a big yeah, crossover hit. They were a crossover. They were one of the few country bands that non-country fans also love. That yeah. doesn't happen that often. Yes. No, there's a lot of Dixie Chick songs I freaking love. And God, I hate giving any credit to George W. Bush, especially at this time. But he did not go for the culture war bullshit. 
they asked him, reporters asked him about it, and he said, it's their right to state their opinion, and I don't care what they think. I'm just trying to do my job and what I think is best for the American people. And contrary that to something like what Trump would say, which is basically like, yes, they're un-American. We should deport them. <laughs> no, George Sorry, was like, just yeah, no, you say what you want. Reading America, some, some news story about Sirius launching satellite radio around the same time. And I, I like, mm. because I was in my car all day, I could not stand regular radio. So this is around the time I stopped listening to it. Burning CDs onto MP3, from MP3s onto CDs and then eventually getting satellite radio. Also this week, in a little bit of news, uh, Rachel Corey, American political activist, is killed while trying to block an Israeli armed bulldozer at the age of 23. Oh, yeah, this is rough. Remember, just last week we talked about there was a Hamas bombing on a bus that killed a dozen people, most of them like high school and college students. And Rachel Corey was on an exchange program out of uh, my husband's alma mater, Evergreen State College in Washington State. And she was working with Palestinian support groups, and they were being human shields, trying to stop houses from being bulldozed. Mm-hmm. And an armored bulldozer ran her over. All yep. right, and all right. then they had a big investigation. The Israeli army said, oh, he couldn't see her. It was actually her fault. And everyone said, eh? that sounds like bullshit. And her family sued the country. And this went on for, you know, I think 2016. It was finally dismissed by the Israeli Supreme Court. Like, they ran over a woman. You're not supposed yeah. to do that. Yeah, but the counter to that is that she was warned multiple times you are going into somewhere dangerous she was Mm -hmm. told by the idf this is a dangerous area do not go there do not put yourself but she decided that a american female college student putting her life on the line could change hearts and minds and in death she was little more than a news blip. I mean, this was these this is the proto culture wars because people who were inclined to hate her were uh, showing pictures of her burning an American flag with Palestinians, teaching them how to burn an American flag. And if you look at that picture, that's a look of pure hate on her her face as she's burning that. And they were like, well, she did what she did and she did something stupid and she died. And I don't think she changed a single person's mind. Mm. I, c- I, I can't really say. I think there's, I, yeah, I think there's some people who, who are somewhere in the middle that realize, Oh wait, Israel does do pretty fucked up shit sometimes. Sometimes it's like in the name of a good right. reason, but then their tactics are fucked there's up. Al- there's always a way to break through to someone in this situation. And that's how people, I don't encourage people. To, I'm just saying like, I'm not saying don't protest because, you know, sometimes I do it just to do what I can, which is that you vote and you protest. Got to try something. Show up. Yeah. Show up. It helps to show up. I think of some of the people I knew at 23 and who are now, you know, 43, because that's how math works. And they had some ideals at 23 that they still agree with and some ideals at 43 that they don't agree with their 23-year-old self at oh, all. Man. And mm. I have no idea what 43-year-old Rachel Corey would think I see or what you're feel saying. if she'd be the same person. And Because that's what death does. It takes away all possible futures. Yeah. yeah. I don't uh, know. I've become in much, much more liberal in my old age, particularly when it comes happens. to Israel. You know, uh, I'm born and raised a Jew and you're always here. Yeah, this is our traditional homeland and, and we should support it. And it's like the last 20 years entirely of their own policies. I'm like, oh, fuck that, man. Proportion Not that I happens, think, oh, Israel you... should be driven into the sea or anything. But God damn it. They're not making it easy. But, you know, the reverse happens, too. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I can uh, I can only think about twenty three year old me marching outside the Nickelodeon headquarters like release you can't do that on television on DVD whereas now I just be like swat <laughs> it to the ground I can't watch all that garbage yeah you are leading to something Corey. here are we not she's, yep is there she, some yeah, song she's here? A, I, I, a martyr yeah Billy Bragg uh, re recorded the Bob Dylan's lonesome lonesome death of Hattie Carroll into the lonesome death of Rachel Corey telling her story. And uh, it's it's quite nice. Let me hear a bit of it. I don't know. Rachel Curry had 23 years. She was born in the... T- okay, I'm not listening to that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, R.I.P. Rachel Corey. Uh, yeah. two, 2003 movies, inexplicably bringing down the house, is still number one at the box office. Yeah, we're all throwing up our hands here. Uh, what were we mm. thinking as a culture back then? See, people change. Assassination Tango is out with Robert Duvall, Ruben Blades, and Kathy Baker. Ooh. This movie exists entirely so Robert Duvall could go dance the tango a whole bunch. So, he is a, he is addicted to the tango. According to him, Robert Duvall, massive fan of the tango. And so he writes and directs a movie about a uh, hired killer who goes down to Argentina who's going to like kill a former bad guy from the bad guy regime and falls in love with the tango and rediscovers his lust for life wow and and do you want to see robert duvall move though he does love the tango all my movies uh my favorite robert duvall movies he moves very little that's <laughs> it's kind of what they all have in common yeah, well you want to see him move a lot of sitting a lot of sitting one of the most baffling remakes of all time that i'm glad exists <laughs> uh arlie ermy Laura, what Laura Alina Herring and Crispin Glover starring in Willard? The... So strange. I don't know why they remade this, but I'm kind of glad they did. Me too, because it like I like rodents, and they're both fun movies. And it and, and Crispin Glover is one of my favorite weirdos. And if you've never heard the famous Michael Jackson song Ben, it's what uh, uh, the the guy sings in The Simpsons. Ben, the two of us need love no more. Uh, thank you. A love song for a giant rat. For a giant rat. The best thing in the... There's a music video for Crispin Glover's cover of Michael Jackson's Ben for this movie. Ben, the <laughs> two of us need look no more. Get your damn hands off her. Like, uh, <laughs> it, this is not a bad movie at all. And may be much better than the original because I, I was kind of too young to seen that i had to go looking for the original as an adult because again a bizarre movie about a love story between a boy and a rat um that gets yeah yeah but no willard is is less a love story and more about him befriending a whole bunch of rats and then using them for revenge yeah including ben is a gambian pouched rat which sometimes people see and they think oh my god the rats have mutated they're giant no those are just it's a kind of giant rat from africa that um they can grow up to three feet long including tail they're they're big boys, and they can be taught to sniff out landmines. And I love them so, so much. yeah, think of a cruel Ant Man substitute, Paul Rudd for Crispin Glover, and rats with ants. And here you are, here you yep. are. Uh, also out this week, Connie Nielsen, Benicio del Toro, and Tommy Lee Jones in The Hunted. The Hunted. First Blood Part Del Toro. <laughs> this movie. No, was... seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, that's basically what it is. Benicio del Toro was another an assassin again, like for the government. And he gets uh, PTSD and he gets really paranoid and they're trying to bring him in and he keeps building uh, traps and making knives and killing dudes. And now Tommy Lee Jones is his mentor and he's got to try to bring him in. And it's uh, pretty much first blood. 
Okay. They do the fullest blood, not me. What the fuck? What the yeah, I'm trying to do my I, best. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't watched what? it. I did read a couple of reviews talking about like the fight scenes are pretty gnarly. Like they, they don't feel Hollywoody. They feel pretty visceral. Like, okay. Yeah, no, that's what I, I can see. I, I remember not, not I hating this film. I don't know about Tommy Lee Jones, but. Sure. I did not hate this film when I saw it. A film yeah, it's just fine. I did hate because I was the wrong market for it and still and remain so. It's, it's the most notable movie this week, if not number one in the box office. Ian McShane, yes! Keith David, yes! Angie Harmon, where are we going with this? Hilary right. Duff, what? Frankie Muniz, ladies and gentlemen, it's Agent Cody Banks! On March 14th, I work for the CIA. Yeah, right. Only one movie has all the action. Sweet. All the adventure. You did get him his license? Nope. And all the adrenaline. This mission depends on you. It's a school night. I got homework. Why weren't you at school today? Stop saving the world. Breaking you did. Thanks. Cody Banks. Please find this TV spot. I think that special effects shot is sped up, but it looks awful. It it's uh. all looks so awful. Uh. <laughs> this is like a this, TikTok filter. <laughs> this is a classic story because young boys are always going to want to be secret agents. Okay. I really do think that that's something like, well, I'm I'm young and without power, but what if I join the secret organization and could yeah. do all these cool things? That's yeah. always going to be cool. There's always going to be one of these every 10 years or more. We had a little bastard kit with like a glass cutter and phone tap that like, I can't figure out how to use this shit. This doesn't fucking work. <laughs> there is that inclination. Yeah. I feel like the backstory on this is like kind of interesting it's like madonna is technically a producer because her well, production true. company had the rights jason alexander was attached to make his directorial debut and he was replaced by vic armstrong who is a former stuntman he was uh he was the other indiana jones he was indiana jones the stuntman in raiders of the lost wow. ark <laughs> and, then, and uh frankie uh, muniz commanding the highest paycheck for a kid his age since macaulay culkin yeah. Yeah, and then they brought in uh, Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski wow. to clean up the screenplay. And, you know, we've had two Spy Kids movies at this point. Obviously, there's a market for this. And, and you know, people I mean, it's, people enjoy it if they're a certain age. It's oddly successful. And for a long, long time, you might see this movie on HBO if you were a kid over and over again. But remember, around this time, Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network start playing movies. And what the fuck else are they going to buy? Agent mm -hmm. Cody Banks. Agent Cody Banks. Uh, I have not revisited this because I, I was still making a point to borrow, burn, and steal just about every movie 20 years ago. But yeah, I'm not one. None of us can really comment on this. We're not the intended audience. Nah. No. It, there, it, there was a little bit of creepiness to this film because tell me more. Co Cody Banks's handler is played by a 30-year-old woman and Cody is 15 and Oh boy, do they love hints of sexual tension between Ugh. the 30 year old woman and the 15 year old boy. Cody Banks? Yeah. You want him? She wants Cody. <laughs> Quiet. Or you'll all be in trouble. Yeah. You, come with me. Why? Hey, I want to be in trouble. 
she rips the bully boy's towel off to reveal him naked in a locker room. And then there's some whipping involved. Oh, God. I did not know from the sound of that. I thought that took place in a classroom, not in a locker room. A locker room. Teenage Um, boys wearing towels. Yep. Okay, I'm going to leave now. I I just, (laughs) I didn't even bother to like look at this movie. And I was like, wait, okay. I was taking guesses in my head. How is he promoted to be an international super spy? Was his father a super spy? Is he secretly a spy Harry Potter? And he was destined to be this all along. He applied. He, <laughs> he, he applied. <laughs> he applied and was selected. This bullied kid becomes a very capable super spy. Agent Cody Banks, I, I want to hear from someone who loves this, but I also think you're too young to listen to the show. So <laughs> that's where I stand on that. Moving on to the television 2003, Simpsons episode CE. Oh, God, Simpsons titles are so terrible. What's this episode about? I don't, I don't know. What... Uh, this is the episode where Homer takes over running the nuclear power plant after uh, taking a home improvement seminar. And this after is home... semi-memed, this clip up here. Now, life is hard. Am I right? Oh, Wrong! Life is easy. You suck. You have to take life, you have to grab it by its little bunny ears and get in its face! God! <laughs> I, I hear that quoted a lot. Bringing it back to uh, Glengarry Glenn Ross that we were talking about. Yeah, Glenn but it, it ends with Homer losing the plant, no. and then he throws the Homer's 305th Everything is Back to Normal Barbecue. <laughs> And uh, I do want to know more about this because this this show is still on my list as a big Buffy fan. Episode of Angel release? Yeah. So uh, this is the episode when Cordelia is convincing Connor to keep their baby a secret. Huh. And like the Cody Banks clip, there is a lot of sexual tension between a young man and a significantly older woman where if you gender swapped him like there would definitely be tons of problems with that but they kiss in this episode and you can absolutely see how uncomfortable the actress playing cordelia is yeah it's supposed to be a passionate kiss but it is the most like kiss you've ever seen I just seeing the episode description. She's forced to keep her baby a secret. Art imitating life, as we, if you read that expose yeah. on Joss Whedon, uh, don't get pregnant or I'll fire you. Um, yeah, uh, but still, it doesn't take away what I feel, feel about Buffy. Can't hate Buffy, nor Angel, which I just, yeah, only saw standard definition DVDs for. Kind of. Anyway, moving into games of 2003, March 10th to the 16th. Jurassic Park Open Genesis on uh, PC. Still. Largely considered the best Jurassic Park simulator out there. We've had 20 years for this concept, and people have tried it, and they haven't quite captured the joy. It's it's the Jurassic Park game they still make when every new Jurassic Park movie comes out. A new Jurassic Park... It just, like, I never thought the video game legacy of Jurassic Park would have settled on that genre. SimCity for Jurassic Park. And a new one came out, like, this last summer. It's a perfect game because you get to have your wonderful park where you get to be a theme park mogul. And then when you get bored, you let all your dinosaurs (laughs) eat all your guests. You kill Sam Neill. You catcall. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you don't ever have to think if you should. Uh, it's awesome. And then next up, oh boy, we got Mega Man and Bass on GBA. God, I love Bass. It was originally in Japan in 1998. Mm-hmm. So five years to port over to the US. Damn. It still ran weird. And yes, I'm making a joke if you watch the animated um, localized English cutscene. Everybody in Mega Man, Mega Man and Diana is Rock Man in uh, mm-hmm. Japan at, based on like the style of music. So everybody has kind of musical names, including the, the duo of treble and bass. They didn't quite catch that one in the localization of the voice oh. acting. <laughs> treble and bass. Oh. <laughs> Still <laughs> makes me laugh. I love the name of this game. Piglet's Big Game on GameCube <laughs> and GBA. Okay. This is Baby's first horror game. Wow. What? Yeah. I'm, I'm serious. In this game, you play Piglet and you enter people's dreams to defeat their Whoa. nightmares. But, ah. Why Piglet? That's a, that's a gopher job. Because he's the most scared. That's a gopher He's the job. one. See, Piglet is an excellent character for young kids because young kids are very scared. Nope. Because they're tiny, tiny people who are like surrounded by the equivalent of if you and I were standing next to 30-foot people every day. Okay? <laughs> so... They're scared, and Piglet is the character who understands their scared nature, and he overcomes it. He's an awesome character. Uh, oh, Piglet's about to be a jail sandwich. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't open that door, Piglet. Anywho, a, a, a franchise that has had bizarre longevity, considering how much I love this era of animation, I like Tom and Jerry the least, but it's still pretty good and has a really interesting track record in video games. This week is no exception for on the GBA, Tom and Jerry in Infernal Escape. Tom and Jerry you can still play as in multiverse. It's crazy. They're still making Tom and Jerry stuff. That's my favorite example, by the way, of cartoonage acquisitions. That's one of the things Ted Turner acquired he so if you're a big animation nerd, every time you see Tom and Jerry presented, a WB logo comes up and like that was their biggest adversary. Tom and Jerry took the animation Oscar multiple times. Bugs Tom and Jerry won more than Bugs Bunny uh ever won wow. uh, an Oscar. And now he's just part of their team, but they don't quite cross over with one another because it's still somehow separate. I I love I love boring kids with this information. See, I told you you shouldn't listen to the show if you're 20. If you like Agent Cody Banks, <laughs> this is just what I'm going to do to you. Also interesting. Chris, but- you know <laughs> someone who was like 13 when they watched Agent Cory is now like 33, right? That's true. Yeah, but they don't want to hear about Tom and Jerry. That That's that's their Heathcliff. I hate Heathcliff so much. <laughs> Except for the garbage ape. God, he rules. Look up the garbage ape. <laughs> Goddamn garbage ape. Interesting book news from 20 years ago. How to Train Your Dragon by Cressida Cowell is out. How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, there's going to be a dozen more books in this series. It's going to take, you know, a decade to turn into a film. Uh, the books are significantly different from the movie. The movie is great, but the books um, have a number of differences. The Vikings are not at war with the dragons in the start of the book. Uh, Toothless is a lot smaller. Astrid doesn't exist, but they're still very enjoyable, fun books that kids still can pick up today. And I'm sorry for rambling, but it, I've just been... Something about the Dilbert situation, I was like, is Dilbert still going to be represented in the comic strip area of Universal Studios along with Kathy's Act Cafe and the Hagar the Horrible Ship? <laughs> it turns out Dilbert's no. not there, but... How to Train Your Dragon is in the new theme park being built, the third Universal Park, Epic Universe, will have a How how to Train Your Dragon land. And it strikes me that other than 
maybe something like Harry Potter, how to tra- I think even more so than Harry Potter, how to train your dragon is kind of the fastest creation to new theme park area. Like there's a frozen ride in Epcot, but it was a reskinned Viking ride. This is a brand new land with multiple rides based on this book series. It's only 20. You usually need like 40. They're just building the Tron roller coaster. It's almost ready <laughs> in Disney World. <laughs> that is, that's how long it takes. How to Train Your Dragon is getting a whole land. I think that's a, a perfect animated trilogy. It's it's a really well I, done series. I saw seriously. It, I loved it. I hate a majority Dream DreamWorks movies, but how, the original How to Train Your Dragon and two were pretty fucking great. And I didn't see any. I thought more three than was the perfect close to the series. Really? It, it like yeah, it, it was not afraid to end the series. Is the thing? It wasn't like this is the end, but we are totally saying it's not. You know, it was like, no, this is a clear end mm-hmm. to this story. Yeah, it'll just have a Nickel- mm-hmm. Nickelodeon or Netflix show with no Jay Burrichell. And, <laughs> and all right, we're going to close out 2003 with Landslide by the Dixie Chicks. It's on the charts this week as the Dixie Chicks. Not for long. <laughs> and because uh, they're making headlines other places. But don't go away. We have the star studded last final segment of 302010. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Well, I've been afraid of change. internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of march 10th through 16th i've just got one recommendation but it is kind of a foundational document it's a foundational film you have seen ripped off a million billion times because it is probably the first great musical hollywood ever made 90 years ago in 1933 saw the release of 42nd street uh, directed by Lloyd Bacon with who cares about him because it's Busby Berkeley numbers, man. And Busby Berkeley, you might know that name. And if you don't, you know, the style of thing, uh, a lot of, you know, the top down shot and everyone is like in a circle and then they make like patterns and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, ridiculously silly and fun movie starring Warner Baxter, Ruby Daniels, Ruby Keeler, uh, baby Ginger Rogers, baby Dick Powell, you know, people who went on to have huge careers more in the forties. This one's 1933. So sound is still pretty new. Uh, this is like the first time I feel like they kind of nail it with the musical part because it's exactly the kind of movie people want to see during the Great Depression. It, it takes place concurrently. It's, you know, it's right now on Broadway and we're going to put on this musical and here are all the characters and behind the scenes stuff. There's, you know, the producer who's trying to do a little casting couch things and there's the little naive newcomer who just got off the bus and then, you know, the old, the old hand who's like, really cynical and then oh she's the big diva and then someone's gonna you know oh i've twisted my ankle i can't go on oh we're gonna put on the nobody and you're going out there and nobody and you're coming on a star everything you've seen in a ton of musicals for the last 90 years and this one has all of them and nails them it's just it's a lot of fun all the numbers are real fun and uh yeah i mean they adapted it for Broadway I think like 1980 and it's like still running or <laughs> it's it's been running on and off here and in London like a long time because it 
just solid. It's just a solid movie. So yeah, 42nd Street for 1933. A 90-year-old dancing sexy ladies. Yeah, go for it. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. And as long as I got my suit and tie, I'ma leave it all on the floor tonight. And it got fixed up to the nines. Let me show you a good thing. All dressed up in black and white. And you're dressed in that dress I like. Love is swinging in the air tonight. Let me show you a good thing. Coming into 2013 with Suit and Tie by Justin Timberlake off of the 2020 experience. We got JT, people. I think his only album for the next 10 years or something like that. Guy didn't do a lot of music stuff, despite never mm-hmm. wanting to appear with NSYNC again. 2013 new releases in music, uh, March 10th to the 16th. We got Old Sock by Eric Clapton. Man, he must have not given a shit. <laughs> <laughs> What could I name it? It's more important than my name. Earth Rocker by Clutch. Mala by Devendra. 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 Devendra Barnhart. Exile by Hertz. And Harlem Shake by Bauer is still number one. Uh, A little bit of news to warm you up for the wonderful world of 2013, March 10th to the 16th. The Falkland Island Sovereignty uh, referendum uh, says... What? Sovereignty. Sovereignty. (laughs) Jesus, I'm so tired. 99.8 choose to remain uh, an overseas territory of the United Kingdom. Yeah, that is like insanely high levels of support for we don't want to join Argentina, the country that invaded us and tried to take us over. It's like ridiculously high. Yeah, but you're right off the coast of Argentina. You are not off the coast of England. Yeah, but they don't want to be Argentinian at all. Like, like not not like three guys on the entire island, if you do the math. <laughs> And uh, other things I don't know about include uh, Cardinal Jorge Mario Borgoglio uh, of Argentina is elected the new pope, uh, taking the papal name Pope Francis, becoming the yeah. first non-European pope. In a thousand years. In a thousand uh, there was years. One, yeah, there, there was a previous non-European pope, but he's the first right. in a thousand years. From like Constantinople, something like that. I think North Africa. Or, yeah, but still... When we think of popes, they've been Italian for a really fucking long time. Then we got one Polish guy, one German guy. He stepped down, and they actually have a new world pope. How about that? It's not even these these the first yeah. non-European one, but he's the first one from the Americas. Yeah, mm. there were three popes from North Africa. Oh, neat. What the fuck? And why do they make yeah. him change? Oh. It's and an old organization. It really Chris. is. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah. Been they around a bit. Yeah, he's a cool pope. I like this pope. Cool pope. Um, I'm surprised no one took the name he's Francis. He's not my pope. I didn't vote uh, for him. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag not my pope. All of oh, them. Oh, yeah. Syrian, the Syrian Pope Gregory II, who was, from, who was the Bishop of Rome from 731 till his death. Jesus Christ. Literally. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised no one took the name Pope Francis before. There's so many because, there's so many saints, and they only do like four of them. Because, like, Diana. Francis is a cool Pope. He's, he's a cool saint. It's a sissy name. That's why. No. He's Francisco? Just, he's just going to become Pope Frankie. Nobody wants yeah, that. Yeah. Pope Frankie. Because uh, the Floridian term for Frankie was when you uh, shit in the ocean. Ew. Yeah. See? Told you. Why is it a Frankie? I don't know. I only heard like three people say it, but no one else has coined a term for it. So it's stuck in my head. So until you can figure out what a turd floating in the ocean is, I'm going to have to call it a Frankie. Uh, do, do you exist in turd-filled oceans so frequently that you need a specific word? No. Instead of just saying, okay. No, I just think that I think it's one of those things 
everybody's talking about, but no one's ever done. And I've never seen it. But once we started talking about it, my friend's like, oh, you want to pull a Frankie? I'm like, what the fuck's a Frankie? It's where you shit in the ocean. It floats up to the top, scares everybody away Caddyshack style. I'm like, I'm horrified. <laughs> I'm <laughs> horrified of the idea of people are shitting in the ocean for some reason. Even though fish I, do it all the time. Yeah, don't do it in your shore. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you know, this is this is weird. I feel like there should be a Yiddish term for this. <laughs> because like, no, because one of the most popular Yiddish curses translates to go shit in the ocean. Yeah. So we should have another word for when you get there and do so. And my grandfather's Italian term for doing hard work. I busted my hump all day, shoveling shit against the tide. That's <laughs> shoveling shit Good. against the tide. I don't hear it anywhere, anywhere else but my family. Finally, in uh, a little bit of news, uh, Xi Jinping is named the new president of the People's Republic of China. The fucker got 10 years exactly, and now yep. he's out on yep. his ass. Who was president, the most powerful man in China, but by God, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, just recently, this happened. We saw former Chinese top leader Hu Jintao, who is Xi's uh, predecessor, uh, got let out of the room, uh, accompanied by a male staff member in the middle of this ceremony. Now, Hu was uh, seen having a brief conversation with the two men and appearing to be reluctantly uh, let out. And before that, he also uh, seemed to have had a brief chat with Xi. And, uh, that is a harsh, harsh image. Yeah. Oh, this is a total dick swinging move there is no reason he couldn't have had the former president of china told he couldn't come this is very much i am showing how powerful i am by smirking as my predecessor is led out by two burly guys as forcibly as you could do that he is like yeah. he does not want to go and is being tugged yep. <laughs> it, it'd be an odd you can thing look to at see. his face and he is going what the what hell doing? are you doing to me? Oh, man. This is what you're doing to me. <laughs> like, I used to roll one-fifth of humanity, and now, okay, I cannot wow. sit in this chair. Great. Uh, <laughs> the- yeah, this guy is probably going to be president of China until he dies. He yeah. has consolidated power far more than anyone probably since Mao, honestly. Mm-hmm. And mediocre dude. You know, uh, he doesn't seem to really be that particularly smart, except at manipulating bureaucracies, which is kind of important to become yeah. head of the largest bureaucracy on the planet. But yeah, yeah, you know, uh, China was swimming along with a technocratic oligarchy, and we've actually had critiques of that for about 2,500 years. Right. You know, <laughs> Plato wrote about why that's a problem. The problem is because eventually someone comes along and says, I think I should have all the power. And by God, wow, that happened. What a shock. Yeah. Wow. Now I understand what you were saying on last week's show when you're proving this week. Yes, the the uh, the ruler of about a quarter of the world's population has changed. Yep. Whoever's in charge of China and whoever's in charge of one billion Catholics. That's oh, a busy yeah. week. For a lot of yeah. people got to put new pictures up on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of creepy murals that need to be drawn on the side of buildings in the inner city yep. oh <laughs> well moving on to the movies of 2013 march 10th to 16th oz the great and powerful is still number one at the box office Boo. which just in reading but all these other movies none of these movies performed as well as because yeah. of oz yeah you can see from... why it would stick around i yeah. mean this is yeah. this is not a a game it's facing off against 
Yeah, yeah, such as our first film, uh, Devil De- 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 Kaluuya? It's, De- uh, yeah. Is De- it Daniel, Daniel Kaluuya? Kaluuya yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's I know who he is. David Morrissey, Peter Milan, uh, Elise Gabel, uh, Andrea Riseborough, Mark Strong, James McAvoy, uh, pun- Welcome to the Punch. Is out oh, this, this is is this cast the most British cast that ever British to Britain? Britain, yes, I think everything. Maybe you, you need a Welsh guy in there. Maybe throw in a Michael Sheen. Then you have yeah. most British thing that ever happened. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it is a British crime movie. You know, everyone's uh, a cop has got wounded in a shootout long ago, and now he wants another run at the guy what shot his paw, and everyone's gritty at each other. And the reviews were like, it's fine. It kind of harkens back to. Honestly, like 10 years before, there's more of a glory days of Brit crime. But yeah, just threw it in here because like <laughs> there's not a lot else. I might as well throw in a foreign movie that I don't even know if it came to America in, in screens. Um, And a movie I was very much looking forward to. Yep. And very much disappointed by. Look at this cast. Alan oh. Arkin, James Gandolfini, Olivia Wilde, Steve Buscemi, Jim Carrey, and Steve Carell in The Incredible Burt Wonderstone. For 12 days, he's held his urine. What is going through your mind? I really have to pee, Richard. You call that a magician? And whichever entertainer dazzles me the most will be getting a contract as headline. I will do it! Bring it! I bet I can make him even smaller. You put a dog in my pants. So gross. He was teething. The Incredible Burt Wonderstone starts March 15th. Ooh, I, this this had all the earmarks of something that should be. I thought this was going to be like Anchorman. And mm. I, and that's yeah. like the main reason I hate it. It's just like a formula studio comedy. And it's uh, films not rated as of this TV spot because you know they want to get all that R-rated stuff, that fun R-rated stuff out of there so they can get a PG-13. Yeah, I, I also thought it would be, I don't want to say more mean-spirited, but mm-hmm. yeah, just maybe, maybe a little... It gets very sentimental at times. And it's like the whole yeah. point is it's about, you know, a cheesy stage mu- magician dealing with, you know, an edgy stage magician. And there's so much more he could do with this. It feels like they worked on the script and worked on it, worked on it. And you might have just gone too many cooks with it and just boiled out oh, everything was, that was It was fun. an existing script for like a decade or something. Yeah. And I think Steve Carell's production company got a hold of it. And I think the biggest disappointment for me is just like, when when for you was the end of like the Jim Carrey dominating every movie comedy? Because like um, to me, he peaked with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and nothing he's done after that not, has lived up to that. Not what I'm not the kind of comedy I'm talking about, but like the mm-hmm. real Jim Carrey, the Ace Ventura mask liar liar era Jim Carrey. And I'd look yes into man it. maybe. I kind of feel like Yes Man because I feel like that's just doing Liar Liar again. In between Mm -hmm. 2003's Bruce Almighty, also starring Steve Mm -hmm. Carell, Mm -hmm. uh, and this movie, he made fun with Dick and Jane and Yes Man. And everything else was a serious movie or like a departure from the normal. And I saw the trailers for this. I'm like, holy shit, it's old physical Jim Carrey coming back. I got to see. And if I love you, Philip Morris is great, but that's obviously a different kind of role. But that's why I was so excited about this movie. Like, I haven't seen. Oh, we're getting old Jim Carrey again. I didn't know I'd have to wait till Sonic before I fully got that performance. (laughs) But even he's like relatively subdued as far as the Jim Carrey I wanted in this role. Didn't seem very improvisy. Steve Carell is, it's weird. He's just like, I don't want to hate him like this. I want to hate him like I hate Michael Scott. (laughs) Um, But yeah, an arrogant 
magician. I love the any idea of professional magicians. I'll listen to any podcast, watch any Penn and Teller clip, but I almost hated this movie. And mm. that really bummed me out because I was very much looking forward to a comedy with this kind of fucking cast. Anywho. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's the same. It's like there's a couple jokes in here that, yeah, I laughed, but it just felt like I just it, it felt like it was a really great movie that all it's like the TV edit where they cut out all the best parts. Yeah. That's a great way to the describe boring it. Parts. That's a great yeah. way to describe it. And it seems to be in that vein of like, we'll put Will, Will Ferrell in a weird wig and throw a throw it on a poster and we'll just make that movie because mm-hmm. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of thought put into that and not a lot else. But yeah, incredible Brit Wonderstone. Let's use James Gandolfini to segue to another Sopranos cast member, Michael Imperioli. Um, I'm Italian. I can do that. Michael uh, Eklund, Morris Chestnut, Halle Berry, and Abigail Breslin in The Call. The attacks are calculated. This marks the serial killer's fifth murder. The victims are handpicked. <laughs> but on March 15th... 911. I've been kidnapped! Shut up! One call will change everything. If you hurt that girl, I will find you. That's all part of the plan. Answer the call. I had never... It's very rare I'd never heard of the most notable release of a week. I have never heard of this. Oh, wow. Well, it's a WWE joint. Is it really? Oh my! It God. really is, and it became their highest-grossing film to date. Wow! It Take looks like it made. It actually made money. Rounds. Yeah, unlike everything else we've talked about this week, pretty much this uh, the call made money because it was made on a budget. And honestly, it is like sixty-six percent a solid little thriller. Mm. And then when it gets to the end, it gets to be a really bad low-rent Silence of the Lambs for no fucking reason. Hell yeah! But. The basic, did anyone else watch it? Or Hell no. no. <laughs> okay. Doing Oscar so, stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I watch this with my friends when we watch a bad movie every Sunday. And this was one of the few that was like, you know what? That wasn't that bad. Mm. Because, yeah, the whole thing is Halle Berry's a 911 operator. It started really with this writer just realizing, wow, 911 operators, they hear fucking crazy shit. Oh, we yeah. should have a TV show about them. But the problem is they never leave the building. Yep. So maybe we could just have a movie hinging on a 911 operator. So this guy is going around kidnapping and killing these girls. Halle Berry takes a 911 call from Abigail Breslin, who's in this dude's trunk. And most of the movie is about trying to help her like signal someone else and figure out where the call is coming from so they can send the cops to find this car. You gotta so knock like, the taillight out. Knock the taillight out. Wiggle Follow your hands around. Follow the GPS around. from the phone. It can. It's a burner. Oh. That becomes a thing. But then wiggling your hand around, someone else calls 911. Someone else in another car calls 911. So that helps them narrow it down. It's like, there's a can of paint in here. Start dumping the paint out onto the road. Start pouring it out the hole. And, and you know, we'll send a helicopter. Maybe the helicopter can see the paint on the road. Like, that sounds pretty good. Mm. Like it's it's not bad. It was kind of interesting of like all the different things you could try to do to make this to get out of this situation. And yeah. then it then it just it gets stupid. It's Buffalo Bill at the end. She, but didn't, she didn't pull like a Robert Redford from Sneakers. I'm gonna count the bumps. I'm gonna bridge. It's like that. Yes, yeah. it's exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Like for most of the movie. So the that's pretty cool and then it just gets dumb because Halle Berry's like I'll find her wow and then goes out and <laughs> turns out you know he's got a creepy layer full of creepiness and it's like okay mm. you didn't need to do this does have a pretty sadistic ending I'll give him that but that is so yeah, weird like, this 13 million dollar movie made 70 million dollars in an dang. admittedly slow week but like WWE would pivot not only to straight to video but mm-hmm. in this almost insidious 
any known property is better than a new property because every movie they made after that was like Leprechaun, Jingle All the Way 2, Surf's Up 2. Like with WWE characters, yes, they made a sequel to that third CGI Penguin movie, the third most popular CGI Penguin movie (laughs) with WWE characters. Truly bizarre, that movie studio, but they were very much, they wanted to be, Vince McMahon wanted a Hollywood movie studio. And I don't know how that works now in the streaming era. Yeah, I I don't know. It's like this is almost a recommend if you want just, you know, like a a pretty good B movie. Mm. Not great, not perfect, but it has some interesting stuff in it. The call, right. but so much better than I expected. Wow, did I expect to hate it? And I was like, "Huh." The call. Yeah, yeah low budget pot boiler. Love it. Let's move into television of 2013 cuz this is where it gets fun as well. Uh March 10th to the 16th, 2013. What the fuck? Celebrity Wife Swap, a show I always forget existed because it just sounds like something I'd see on an age-gated website. But uh, (laughs) is this really happening? Because now I know who this woman is because of the documentary Gilbert. Gilbert Godfrey and Alan Thicke, switch wives? Oh, God. It was such a running gag on Gilbert Godfrey's amazing colossal podcast of him singing the song Too Thick of the Night. Yes. Which is Alan Thicke's. He loves punching that show in the dick. (laughs) He loves hating it. He he has a, is it a Vincent Price impression? Just from that show? Ooh, yeah. that was a dreadful show. Yeah, we have a, yeah, thank God. We've got a clip! So first we should have sex. <laughs> yeah, because uh, if this is a swap, sex. I don't think it's that kind of a swap. I don't think that he's really understanding the wife swap situation. But the fact is, if we ever really had sex, he'd end up in the hospital. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's the blur How on there. earth could we have expected Gilbert Godfrey to not take a show called Wife Swap seriously? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. I'm just imagining what a train wreck that would be now. My job is to be gross and funny. <laughs> what do you What do you want me to do? <laughs> also this week, I always forget this existed because this is totally weird. And this is like. This w- is off- a backdoor pilot. The office yeah. is on its last breath. And so the NBC executives are like, can we spin this off to a different series? Because that worked so well with Joey. I mean, it's, and... it's worked with, with other properties, especially comedies. Breaking Bad just concluded. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that while watching the episode. No, and... I had no clue. And I, I always thought that was kind of a weird episode, but oh well. But it's one of the more hated episodes yes. in the entire Office runs. It because regularly it... makes the list of worst episode the episode is titled the farm because that is what the show was supposed to be called spinning off dwight and his weird truth family and they shot it nbc said no and they shot new additional footage to make it more like an office episode and uh, you have to imagine if this show was shot to focus and introduce a a giant new cast, and then you have to insert the office characters in there somehow, it's going to be a little bumpy. But yes, it's what it's one of the more fascinating, more recent failed backdoor pilots because they were pretty honest about it. And here's a little clip. What's the clip about? After the funeral, well, during the funeral, what is the Shroot family tradition? We Schroots don't need some Harvard doctor to tell us who's alive and who's dead. But there was an unlucky streak of burying some heavy sleepers, and when grave robbers discovered some scratch marks on the inside of some of the coffins, we decided to make sure that our dead were completely dead, out of kindness. Fire in (laughs) shotgun into the coffin. At least it left one memorable image. Yeah. 
Yeah, I uh, I just think the premise was flawed. Dwight is a character like Jack Sparrow who should not be the protagonist. He is most interesting when he is the weird side character. Mm -hmm. And if you try to make him the main protagonist, it's too much. That's not his role. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and uh, another equally derided episode, well, a more infamous episode of an otherwise stellar show, right smack dab in the gas leak season, Community... Uh, advanced documentary filmmaking. The third, att- the other two documentary episodes are so good, so good. Yeah, uh, sorry, I, uh, the previous ones. I, yeah, there, there are previous ones. Uh, intermediate documentary filmmaking is the one with Pierce's will, right? Giving uh, people no, no, no it's no. <laughs> this is or no uh, when he's in the hospital. He's in the ho- hospital and meets Lavar Burton for the first time. Right. The second one is the Hearts of Darkness of Filmmakers Apocalypse, yes. which is truly fantastic and this one is interesting but also it's the behind the scenes part that's the most interesting right this is the episode where i believe chevy chase starts blurting out racial epithets chevy chase's story is that he was upset with how racist and bigoted his character was heading while venting this his frustration he used the n-word at episode director Jay Hendrickson, the broken lizard Thank guy. You. I could have never pronounced that. <laughs> He's the- uh, and the other people say no. It was an attempt to point out how racist his character had become. Other people say no. Chevy Chase is a huge colossal dick, and there's 40 years of history to prove that. So you know, I don't yeah. believe so much that Chevy Chase is a hateful racist. But he did say a lot of racist. I heard Donald Glover say, like, no, he called him the n-word on Mm. on maybe more than one occasion maybe as a joke but he was an asshole and like he was constantly shitting on the show and like are you watching the show you were the main villain in the last season Mm -hmm. and you were great at it no this is (laughs) i think this is other than fletch this is chevy chase's best role it's so good he's so good in it It, he's so good he rocks it he made i am i don't want anyone to put up with abuse but i think he should absolutely be part of community the movie because he is character is funny his character is hilarious huh i wonder what mm-hmm. stunt they're gonna pull to address pearson there i'm guessing something in a prequel with joel McHale playing him again or i don't know because i thought they said like they had to film his cameo for season five six he was he's like not allowed to be on set with dan harm and mm. yeah <laughs> well Dan Harmon's not here at this point so yeah, yeah. There you go. This is a season with no Dan Harmon. And the actual plot of the episode is trying to figure out about Changnesia and because they got a grant from the McGuffin Neurological Institute. And I, know. I just, and I also no. want to say to Chevy's credit, nah, never mind. He was always kind of like a racist character on the show, but maybe he did feel like the new material by the new guys crossed a line that the previous seasons didn't. It's the season I go back and rewatch never. So I, I maybe Chevy's got a point. Why am I defending Chevy? He's, he's such a fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> he's such an asshole, but I love Pierce so much. Uh, mm-hmm. But one of the best episodes of the community is his, is his will segment. If you oh, yeah, that's great. If you haven't seen it, they did a live reading for charity with the whole cast and uh Walton Goggins who played the uh I don't know what's the lawyer who oversees they had and he could wasn't available so they have Pedro Pascal read it cold. And him going through all the here's your sperm jokes 
and watching the fucking Mandalorian, fucking Joel, cry out laughing at, with, with the cast of one of my favorite shows, one of my favorite episodes ever. It's isolated on YouTube. It's awesome. Uh, live community read. Look it up. Film and isolate because it's just, it's joyous if you like community. Anyway, moving on to Vidya Games of uh, 2013, March 10th through the 16th. Sword of the Stars, The Pit. That's too many titles. <laughs> uh, so this is based on a series of space opera games where you play a ship but you don't play a ship in this game it's a roguelike where you're just some dude wandering around ah. <laughs> and, and, and then sniper ghost warrior 2 again too many video game titles in there pick one you can't <laughs> Nice. Words, you could just put those words in any order. It's not going to matter. I know. It's just there's warrior, a lot of warrior. Ghost sniper. There's ghost sniper. Ghost sniper warrior. Yeah, uh, they all work. They Every all work. possible combination works. I ghost know. sniper warrior. Yeah. And one of the most fascinating games I can think of because it's a one of the most famous video game franchises of the modern era with very few titles, and it's really easy to forget this exists because it basically we have wiped it from our minds. We have well, sphered it. It's the prequel problem. Okay. One, two, and three had a story arc. They ended on a definite note. And then this was like, okay, well, this is still making money. Yeah. Let's make a prequel because then we can do whatever we wanted. But people had already had the story, so they didn't care. I think I think it's more than that. It's that God of War is in the top three of Kratos, the character from God of War, is the closest approximation to what Sony has to a Mario. And the makers of those games are sort of like, we're making this as a trilogy. Then we're done, and we're not addressing this again. And they stuck to that. And while the same studio is involved, the same people aren't involved who made the game so special. And Sony's like, nah, we're not ending God of War. So they just take it back in time to God of War. And if you look, if you only know the modern God of War, they that is a serious departure in tone and style and gameplay and pretty admirable for such a corporate product but this is not (laughs) this this is just you want more god of war and we don't have to explain it here you go i totally like i really had like total because i'm working in the games industry i've dealt with these press assets a billion times because i was covering this pretty heavily i i totally forgot this exists i bet if you after the show you mentioned god of war ascension to michael he will feel the same you will not remember this this Eight triple A game even existed, but God of War Ascension is out now. The PS3 exclusive, it's not a PSP port, it's not a remake, it's not a remaster, it's a brand new full game that I have never played. Uh, and then also one of my favorite things to mention because this helped me learn how to trust Kevin Feige and the MCU in comic book history 10 years ago. We got our big event of the year, Age of Ultron Begins. And I remember when they announced the movie title. How the fuck are you going to do that? You can't fucking do that. That's impossible. I had no idea that Age of Ultron was this recent to the yes. movie. I really thought, oh, it's got to be from like the early 90s. No. You know, like, when no. they announced it, it was two years old. And it Age of Ultron is a Marvel character, span, like a full everyone spanning event. Ultron has created yeah. clones of himself. Everyone, but who are the main characters in the story? Wolverine and the Invisible Woman. Two characters the MCU cannot use at all are the main characters of this storyline. And when the movie but, finally mean, came out, I'm like, wow, you just thought that was a good title. This There is no resemblance <laughs> to this story at all. But this is 
a time travel story. It is yeah. inherently a time travel story. It's all about all the ramifications of time travel. Its climax is around changing timelines. Age of Ultron, the movie, is nothing like that. I mean, they saved time travel for the final Avengers move, which was a good call. Yeah. 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 I think they're both kind of enjoyable. But my favorite part about this is the, you know, we did a Laser Time episode a few years ago about intellectual property as characters who change ownership like pat miss pac-man not being fully owned by namco the piece they own every other so you're seeing now a bunch of pac-man games being released without miss pac-man this is a pac-wife they'll call her with a she has no hat uh, or no bow diana this is a time travel story invisible girl and wolverine travel they rip apart the time stream and if you've ever seen that meme of like Lex Luthor warps into Flash's body, he's like, sweet, I can see who the Flash really is. And he takes off his mask and looks in the mirror and is like, I have no idea who this is. So the, <laughs> end, the end of Age of Ultron, time and space rip open and a character comes, a woman comes riding out on a giant bug and that was my reaction. I have no idea who this is. And other comic factoids, Todd McFarlane broke off of Marvel to create Image. The, look, come over here and make comics at Image and you can own your own property and make Spawn stuff with us. You'll own all your own characters. You'll own your IP. It won't be like working at Marvel. And he got Neil Gaiman to write a couple issues of Spawn. And he created the character Angela. Then noticed years later, they're still selling this book like hotcakes. And he's not getting any residuals. He sues Todd McFarlane, wins back the rights to a villain he created in Spawn, and then sold him to Marvel. So this, move, this, mm. this comic book arc ends with the introduction of... A very, like, no one had, I saw no spoilers for this, and I was reading it every week. A main villain in Spawn riding into the Marvel Universe with a fleet of bugs. And she would oh. go on to become an adversary to the Guardians of the Galaxy. I'd still, I'd find it really hard to believe that she'd show up in Guardians of the Galaxy movies, given we got, like, maybe one one or so left. I'll shut up. But that I find Age of Ultron fascinating just because, like, all right, I guess they just, Marvel knows how to adapt what it's going to adapt, uh, even though I'm not in love with James Spader's Ultron either. I'm, that was the style at the time. Uh, <laughs> we have to tell you who died and who lived during this era of the show. So stay tuned for that. I'm just real plugging real quick. We definitely have an Oscar time coming out this year that the lovely Mrs. Michael Raparez and Mr. Diana Goodman <laughs> uh, appear on a uh, Laser Time All-Stars episode with two very special celebrity guest reviewers that I can't wait for to introduce you to um, that you should listen to before the Oscar ceremonies. That's always when it's the best. We'll make our predictions. We'll tell you what we thought of all the movies. It's something really hard and fun that we have done every year for a long time. Uh, thank you guys for being so patient. And also, uh, Video Game Apocalypse, uh, our weekly video game show, really fun. And in the midst of an incredibly terrible week for me, one of the best games of the year I've ever played, <laughs> if that means anything, in early March came out. So I can't wait to tell you what that is and why I love it. Diana, what about you? Where can folks find you? They can find me on the Twitter at ListeningNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. That's 302010podcast. That's when I let you know there's a new episode up and list everything that we have recommended that week mm. and Classic Corner and stuff. Coming up next week, uh, we have... Our first of, oh no, the White House is under siege. We got to get the president out of here. Look out, movies. But 2003, uh, we have one hell of a head-to-head -head of what is the worst movie of 2003. They're both coming out the Whoa. same week. One of them is a Stephen King adaptation <laughs> that involves farting. 
And the other one has Oscar winner Cuba Gooding Jr. and Horatio Sands on a big gay boat. Holy shit. Age like milk. Oh, they were already oh. real. Like, they never should have been made. Neither one of them. Oh, my God. They're crimes against uh, nature. Additionally, we'll talk about Seinfeld dating a woman whose name rhymes with a female body part. <gasps> Mulva? <laughs> we'll talk about the canceled episode of South Park. Ooh. Here's one of them gone. And and Norman Bates goes to the small screen. Oh, mm. lot to look forward to. Thank you guys so much for listening. Patreon.com slash later time. Give us five bucks. Who died during this period of 30, 2010, Diana? Oh, man. The only person I found this week that we lost is in 2003. We lost Lynn Thigpen, who was only 54. Fuck you, cerebral hemorrhage. Jesus. She's uh, the DJ in The Warrior. She's in Godspell, Tootsie, Lean on Me, Bob Roberts. But Let's most people who are 50 and younger remember her for more than 300 episodes of her playing the chief on Where in the World is Carmen San Diego mm-hmm. and various spinoffs. <gasps> oh, the chief. No. The chief. Oh. Yeah. She's the DJ for me. Let's get down to it, Papa. The orphan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she was cool. It's one of those people, it's like she's going to pop up on one episode of, you know, a crime show and you're like, well, it just got good. Mm. Oh, I, I hope I, she didn't I do hope- it. I hope uh, Rockefeller sang to her as her grave was lowered. She she would have been Amanda Waller had they been making Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah, she would, that would have been good. Yeah, that would. And that's good always call. that's always who I imagined it was in the comics. So I, I always imagine her. Uh, no, all, all due respect to the other actresses who played her. With uh, that out of the way, what do we have, Jr. The birthday quiz. Perfectly timed on the birthday call. Oh, God, we're getting good at this. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, well, so good. We we whiffed it both really bad last week, so I'm I'm gonna gonna try extra hard. Okay. All right. Turning seventy five. Say turning. I thought what? I said turning. I just like I. The, I'm the only one who describes shitting like that. Gone I, I was gonna say that that could be your Frankie. There you go. Or whatever the hell it is. Going Frankie. Being the ocean is turning. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Turning. <laughs> Seventy-five. Imitation game. Oh, sorry. Born March fourteenth, nineteen forty-eight, on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, uh, and raised in the Bronx. Jesus. It's, um, I, you. I. It's crazy. You almost. That's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it he, is grew your up... dad, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he grew up attending Temple Emanuel L in Long Beach, where he had his bar mitzvah, okay, and he boy. practiced comedy routines with his uh, three younger brothers, copying uh, Bob Newhart, Rich Little, and Sid Caesar records that Albert his Brooks? father would bring home. Nope. Uh, he was the guest on the very first and the very last episode of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. What? Wait. Oh, oh fuck. Wait. The is only it person Gary to... Shandling? No. Dang. The only person to host the Oscars more than him Billy Crystal. was Bob Hope. Yes. Billy Crystal. Ah, Billy Crystal. Yep. Ah. Uh, movies of his we've talked about include Running Scared, Princess Bride, Throw Mama from the Train, <laughs> Memories of Me, When Harry Met Sally, City Slickers, Mr. Saturday Night, Hamlet, Hamlet, Analyze This, and Parental Guidance. And Analyze That, which, yeah, which other, than, other than that, that's a no, pretty... No, we talked about it. We don't talk about it, though. <laughs> that, 
That's other than analyze that. That's a pretty stellar film record for this period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Princess Bride, Harry Met Sally, City sure? Slickers, even Mister Saturday Night. Holy shit! Like I know my generation are straight up classics. I mean, a lot. Of, my yeah. generation loves to hate on Billy Crystal, and for good reasons. But that's good. Jesus Christ! You could only hope to make that many bona fide classics. And then once again, revisit City Slickers if you haven't. It hits way different as an adult. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Yeah, way it different. Really it was so bizarre to watch that and like, is this great? What the fuck? <laughs> oh my God, I should have watched this in the last 20 years. No, no, it makes more sense now. Okay, but yes, thank you guys so much for listening. Patreon.com slash laser time. Um, and gonna, I think we got to, man, now I'm fucking torn. Which CB4 song do we call <laughs> with Sweat From My... Straight Outta Low Cash is the better song, but Sweat From My Balls is the better video. I mean, Sweat From My Balls is the one that gets them shut down by the cops. Yeah, Sweat From My Balls. So, yeah, but yeah, I mean, they're both like, oh, that's actually a pretty good rap song. <laughs> Straight out of low cash is the one where it's like, I'll fuck your sister, I'll fuck your mama, I'll, I'll fuck, fuck your a cat. cat. Um, <laughs> it's way more relatable. Sweat <laughs> From My yeah, Balls. I actually have to look it up. Wait, what the fuck is Low Cash California? And it turns out it doesn't exist. there is a country duo called that now, but Low Cash is the last name of one of the co-writers. Ah. It just sounds like a sounds like a shitty place. It's, low it's, Cash. Man, it has a way. All those beautiful names for like the inner city ghetto in, in the Los Angeles area. <laughs> anyway. Low Cash. Low Cash is a much. It seems like, a, yeah, it seems like it'd be the Compton of GTA. Low Cash. <laughs> but with that, CB4, take us out. We'll see you next week. For the ladies, I'm just-